but uh, I love it all. It always says it's it's that it's recording and it's not for like the first fifteen twenty seconds. I don't know how many times when I first started uh, doing the twenty first century boys. Jack, we would do special episodes, and we'd have to call people. Otherwise, you know, we'd just record in the studio. Yeah. Uh, you'd get recording, and I'd start talking, and Chris Sheehan would go like, it's not recording yet. <laughs> and I'd do it again to go, it's still not recording yet. So, oh, my gosh. Yeah, until you see, like, the timer up in the corner, it's not working. So, <laughs> How are you this bright? Well, I don't know if it's a bright sunny day where you're at. It's like it sunny. is actually. Nice. It's not a cloud in the sky right now. Well, y'all got big plans today. Um, we just have uh, after lunch. We we just have our normal errands and stuff that we have to run. But oh yeah. Other than that, not not too much. Yesterday was a. Yesterday we had a productive day. Um, so my son Zach. He uh, he's uh, they're both in fourth grade. He decided that um, he's gonna play an instrument, so he picked out the flute. So we okay. had to run to a to a music shop and rent rent a flute for the school year. So we did that quickly in the morning, and then at noon uh, we had to get to uh, uh, a school. Uh, uh, they were having it at the gym. They got had a ranking up ceremony for Taekwondo, so now they're, they're they've gotten a new a new color belt for Taekwondo. So they're moving right up there. So nice. Yesterday, one day, yeah. Yeah, yesterday. Let's see. We did. Uh, I don't know. I, I it's one of those busy days where now that I got a nine to five ish job, um, <laughs> you realize how much stuff you were getting done during the week because you got to get it all done on the weekend now. Yep. And um. Whereas before it was kind of like spread a little here, a little there, you know, to stay on top of laundry for five people's a lot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I can't remember what all I did yesterday. I know we did, um, we did a little coffee date, went to Barnes and Noble, uh, went to the museum. They got a, the place I used to work, they've got the Anne Frank exhibit. And then, uh, oh, cool. since it was Batman day, we went and saw, um, my wife and a friend of mine went and saw, uh, Batman Returns last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. They were showing that? Yeah, they had Mask of the Phantasm in the afternoon. Um, the middle show was Batman 89, and then Batman Returns was the final one. And my friend Anna, that was the one she, I think she said she wanted to see the most. And it was the only one that worked for everybody, so that's the one we went and saw. And I didn't realize how racy that movie is, man. I haven't seen that in quite a long time either. There's one, I mean, he's... <laughs> They're doing all sorts of innuendo, and some of it's not even innuendo coming out of Penguin's mouth. He's just filthy. <laughs> and, and there's one time where he's talking about you don't need to worry about the genders and their erogenous zones. I'm like, what the bleep? What is he talking about erogenous zones in the Batman movie? Yeah, I don't remember any of that. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it might be worth a rewatch. I don't know. He just... He does a great job, and he's disgusting, which I guess is the point. I yeah. I, yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't li- I didn't like that one as much, but watching it again, I, I enjoyed it. Can't yeah, in it, in my head, um, those I remember at the time 
the first couple, you know, I really liked. But then, as time has gone on, I don't know that I've I've liked them quite as quite as much. Uh, I guess in comparison to the some of the newer ones, like the, sure. the Dark Knight ones and stuff. But um, and it also could have been like the last couple kind of soured me on the franchise altogether. Oh yeah, um, those are tough, especially the final one. Yeah. yeah. What was it, Batman and Robin? Yeah, Batman and Robin. Yeah, that's the bat butt and bat nipple scene. Yeah, yeah. it just got to be such a parody. Yeah, which is which is kind of like it's funny because the the first Batman movie with with Keaton and Nicholson and stuff, it was almost like okay, we're gonna we're gonna have a really good Batman movie, right? Kind of like as opposed to the cheesiness of uh, of the '60s show, and then it almost became that cheesy type of parody of <laughs> I think it actually ended up being worse. I would much rather. Oh, I I would totally agree with you. I don't remember what year it came out. Uh was it 68 or whatever, but the Batman with Adam West, I would rather watch it than either of the final two in those four. I I'm, um, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, but I but I think it you know what though? I think it did start with the Batman Returns, but um it's kind of like it's kind of like Love and Thunder versus Ragnarok. I think there's a – I like Love and Thunder, but it's almost – have you seen it yet? Yes. Okay. So I, I think Ragnarok had the right amount of dramatas and the right amount of silly. Yeah. And um, I think Love and Thunder, there wasn't quite enough drama, and there was almost too much silly. Okay. I totally – yeah. Um, It got to the point uh, – this last one – Um. Love and Thunder got to the point of being just absolutely absurd that it was going, it was going, leaning that far into comedy. Right. Especially uh, in the last part of the movie where you have such seriousness with, with Jane Foster and everything else and being ill and they didn't seem to go together. And I absolutely love the um, Jane Foster run of the Me comic too. books. Yeah. So I really was kind of, I, I really, really wanted to love the movie because of that. But, um, and I still liked it, like you said, Same. but it was, it was way too ridiculous. Even like, like, you know, Stacy and stuff who, who hasn't read those comic books. She was, yeah, she even, she was like, yeah, it, it got way too goofy. So I don't know what their plans are in the future with with the Marvel movies in general, but oh my god, it, they need to dial that back a little. It, humor's fine, right? Where it, where it's you know uh, where it should be, but it's like they they turn they wanted to turn it all into a comedy, but then they put all the seriousness with her illness and everything else in there as well, and it just, it was very odd. I, I yeah. Well, yeah. the, the 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 God Butcher storyline is is a very depressing storyline. Ultimately, well, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I, that, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, and I think both of them, and they can maybe he was worried, and, and I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know what he's thinking, but uh, he's like these two storylines are so serious, and people really enjoyed the silliness in Ragnarok. I'm going to have to balance it with a little bit of silly, and I think I don't know. I think he just let it go off the rails a little. I totally agree, and and, and nothing against the goats because I love the goats. Oh, the goats were, yeah. 
But the screaming thing is from what ten years ago? Yeah, I was at Books a Million when that was a thing. <laughs> the screaming goats got played out many, many years before this. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It was, it was. But anyway, my point being that I, th- I almost wor- am worried a little bit that that's what they did with the Batman. Is they like, well, there was some silliness in the in 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 the first one, not a lot. But in the second one, I mean, he's like cutting and scratching on a CD, which always bugged me. I'm like, you can't scratch a CD. That's not how CDs work. <laughs> so and I just it, and it, it, there's a lot of silliness in watching it freestanding on its own. I enjoyed it. But I think at the time, maybe the reason I was so harsh on it is it's such a departure from the Jack Nicholson one. Yeah. But I don't know. It's fun seeing Michael Keaton play Bruce Wayne. We were talking about this, uh, my friend and I, and I was like, I think the reason I still like Michael Keaton the best is because his Bruce Wayne is relatable. Mm-hmm. As and I get the Christian Bale one's probably supposed to be a dick, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't like. I don't like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. He's a jerk. Yeah. And like, yeah. You're and right. Michael Keaton's one's like, oh, I've never been in this room. Let's, let's go to the kitchen, you know. And he's <laughs> yeah. like, he's like likable and a little bit doofy. Uh, he very much so. But when he's Batman, I mean, he's all about business, so he still gets to play. It, it reminds me of the Christopher Reeves, uh, Clark Kent, Superman, uh, Superman yeah. dynamic, where you know, like he's all business when he's soups, but when he's Clark, he's a little bit kind of a goofball. So. Yeah. And that's yeah. why he's still my favorite Superman Clark combo too. Oh, you know? me too. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's interesting. As everybody knows, we don't have Mike here this week. We don't have Chris here this week. So, so we have an as Chris pointed out, we have an a historic um geek brunch retrocast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the founders are not here cuz they were the two that started this, right? That's right. So this yeah. is the first episode ever where neither one of them show up. Well, let's hope that uh, we don't let anybody down. I'll do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure I, we'll be. I'm sure we'll be good. I started this morning. And I was like, I don't have anything to read, and so I got up and I was like, I, I'm gonna just everything that's old. I threw in a stack. Well, not everything because I got probably like a short box's worth to read. <laughs> everything I, I grabbed was was at least. I don't know. This one's this one's in the aughts. I think almost everything is nineties or older. There might even be a couple of eighties ones in here. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I read uh I read mine um this morning upon waking up too because I didn't know what I was going to be in the mood for. But um yeah, I got I I think I picked out. So what I did this time around was nor not normally, but I'd say more than half the time I um pick stuff that is in my pile of comics that I've bought over the years that I still haven't read. That's what I do. Yep. Yeah. But this time I actually, uh, were both there. They were rereads. Oh, nice. So I pulled them from my, from my boxes of stuff that I've read before, but yeah, I just, I was in the mood for it. So, yeah, I guess I did cheat a little bit. One of mine is a reread. Um, I'm doing the whole Batman a day thing. And, um, I have yeah, skipping, I love that. Yeah, I have been skipping the ones that um I are had previously owned mm-hmm. um that didn't come in with the the new new pickup I got, but I'm like, eh, a lot of these are like part somethings. Yeah. So if I had it, I've dipped back and I've pulled those out. So actually one of the ones I got in the stack if we get to it today is a reread cuz it was a part 4. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, I'm 
I'm, I'm going to reread it because I'm not going to read parts one through three and not see how it ends. See, so. nothing wrong with that. Well, um, I decided years ago, I'm like, I'm going to, you know what? I had these random holes um, in my Batman and Detective. Um, yeah. Uh, at some point, I said, okay, I'm collecting, and I, I, ha- I had all of them. But before that, it was intermittent and stuff. You know, when I was a kid, maybe going to a convenience store, stuff like that. And um, So at one point, this was a few, quite a few years ago now, maybe five, six years ago, I'm like, I'm going to fill these up to a, at least to a, a certain point, uh, looking at, like, my list of what I own, like, uh, so I don't have any like these onesie twosie gaps, you know, one, right. I'll, I'll get them all. And then, you know, I'll, I'll have a run from whatever uh, to, to the end. And then anything that I have prior are, are very, very much more sporadic. It would take a lot of work to actually follow those. So that's kind of what I did. And, and from Batman, it was around the number two fifty or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, one, I, I waited, I got all of them. Um, the Detective Comics, I got all the Batman that I was missing, and then I sat down and I actually read them straight through, whether I had previously already owned them and read them years ago or not, and, uh, you know, it was, I mean, it was basically 100 issues from each title, so it was like 200, it took a long time, but oh sure, I, I read that whole thing, and man, it was it was a lot, so much fun to, to read, like, seven, any... From like mid seventies all the way to like the mid eighties um, comics, it was it was fantastic. I'll I'll say one thing nice too. Um, sometimes I'll be like, ooh, I'm, I need to read this one, and I'll be like out and about. Uh, almost all of Batman, with the exception of the annuals, are on the app too. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'll do is sometimes if I'm out and about and I'm like, yeah, I want to get an issue knocked out, I'll read it and then I'll go home and flip through it. Uh, as well, because I like to, I like to be tactile as well. So yeah, so, yeah. but uh, I'll read it on the app. And, and so I've run into that. Um, let's see, the one I posted this morning was not on the app because I was going to read it on the treadmill yesterday. Because it, it's like the annuals are fatties, and so it's a good time when you're on the treadmill try to get a good chunk of it knocked out. And but yeah, like I don't know, they're very spotty with the annuals for some reason. But um, the the bulk of those going at least to where this collection of mine really kicks off. Uh, it, almost all that's on the the app now, which is funny though, because like S- Superman, it, it's got gaps all over the place, and they're just random. Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, oh, I bet this one's on the app, and then you'll be like, no, actually, it isn't. Man, I read a. I'm not covering it, but, but boy, I read a really weird issue of what was it Adventures of Superman this morning, and uh, I just I what was it with the '90s where they would put a female character and they did this to to uh oh my gosh they did all part they did all of this to her maybe that's where they got the idea from okay sue storm she's got thigh highs oh god then thigh cut bottom and then boob window so they yeah, have of the, of the number four yeah cut out. it's it's so horrible so this one it's mrs superman and do you remember that issue i do not okay no. I've, um, i'm i have it i'm Sure, because I, 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 that's when I actually started, like, you know, right after fifth, uh, right after crisis, right. where I got real serious. But no, I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. Well, it's I can't think of what her name is. Um, 
Ah, oh, jeez. And I just read it. And that's why I didn't make the, the cut, because I'm like, hey, this one's not sticking with me. And I'm like, Psh, I threw it to the side. Anyway, so she's got, like, the thigh highs, and she's got the thigh cut, and then she's got the boob window S, <laughs> and she's got, like, the um the gambit uh whatever headpiece where the face is coming out, but the ears are covered, and then the hair comes out the top. Yeah. What is that called? I don't, I, know. I don't know, but I don't like it. I hate it. <laughs> anyway, she's got all the, it's such a busy outfit. I said it to my friend and she's like, oh, that is so ugly. I was like, right? I was like, what is the deal with thigh highs in the 90s? This does not look good. I know that people think it's sexy, but it's just ugly. It's, yeah. If you're going to have a thigh high, you might as well just have a, like a, like the mm-hmm. unisuit, like Black Widow, just top to bottom. Boom, move on. And, and you know what? It, it was one thing to me at the time. If you would create a costume uh, like that for for a character, but it was it was another one where if you had a well established character like Sue Storm, who never right. in a million years wore anything even close to that, right. and then you do that to be like edgy and uh, you know follow the trend and stuff, and it's like so out of character. And it's, the funny thing is, Fantastic Four is not edgy during that run or anything. <laughs> no, but that, but that's what they were. You know, they're like, oh, maybe we'll get a few more readers, right? I mean, and then one <laughs> thing, if you had, you like had like, I guess you did like kind of. Oh, she was always messing with Namer, but you know, like if you had on full on wife swap or something with her, <laughs> yeah, you know, or what was the one that uh, was it? Was she malice? Was that? Yeah, the, she was. I yeah, mean, like yeah. if there was like a malice tie into it mm-hmm. or something, but no, she yeah. just like. Hey, I'm I'm a working mom. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded really bad. It makes me sound like she's like working corners. <laughs> anyway, poor Sue. She's like one of my favorites, and yeah, I, yeah that's one I did not want to see that kind of crap happen to. No, yeah, it was just I don't know. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Um, it wasn't in her character to suddenly uh, go that way. But you know, hey. That's that's part that's part of what the nineties were, that's for sure. I'll put in one last confession. Um my other thing, um, because I like to I've changed the way I do these because initially I would do notes and part of the reason I think I got burnt out and quit doing all the special episodes was the prep time just took so long. Yeah. So, so I now I pretty much have something that I can flip through, quote if I need to or want to, and then move on. So the one thing, this is my big confession, is if it's too verbose, if I just open it, like we were talking about the George Perez Superman, that's fine for me to sit and read, but I don't want to do it for the for an episode because I'm like, <laughs> I like, so I love the old black and whites, but you open one of those, most of them are too wordy, man. Mm-hmm. I like open them, it's like, I ain't got time for this one right now, and I'll throw it to the side, and so I'll flip through too wordy. Too wordy. So too wordy. funny. So <laughs> funny that you say that. It's like, I have, again, and that's that. Uh, several boxes now. I, man, I, before I started going and filling back runs and stuff, I, I literally had no unread issues. Like nice. I, I, I own like anything that I owned, I had read. Um, but not anymore. Now I've got you know probably a good five long boxes of comics that I still haven't read. Um, but anyhow, um, for the uh, for the show, I'm the same way. Like you know, what? I really want to get to. One of these, but not only is it super wordy and like 1980s, like uh, in terms of like the amount of dialogue in there, 
But right. like their king size or their annual, I'm like, there is no way. No way. I am going to read this for the for the show. No. It's going to take forever to read it, and then to actually try to cover it, it's going to be way too uh, way way too much to going on. So yeah, I always I always skip them, even though I want to read it at some point, and they just sit there. Well, that's the other thing. Is Kirk will call me on it too if I leave something out. Like if I did do like an annual, but I only did the A story, Kirk would be like. Man, the backup was so good. Why didn't you do that? And I'm like, man, that was too long. <laughs> it's too long. Yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, I'm at the same way. I'll be like, that's like the uh, was it the Frogman I did a couple of weeks ago. It had a backup too, and I was like, man, I don't want to do the backup, but I really like this weird frog story. I'm just not gonna do it. And luckily, <laughs> luckily, I think it was obscure enough. Nobody said anything to me like, hey, why didn't you cover the creature koala or whatever <laughs> it was in the back of it? And I'm like, oh, because it was, it was just like a bunch of stringed pictures that's another one you you can't really do i i feel like um i have some of these weird like parody ones i think they would be hard to cover so i'll, I'll pull out this one because it's got a funny he-man on the front laughing gas issue whatever it was and i'm like how in the world would you even cover this you know? <laughs> so you yeah. go gag by gag and like i don't want to do that so yeah it's funny like when you're picking books i want one that's got a cohesive story that i'm gonna remember three hours later Enough to like get through it, and uh, it. and not. I started yeah like six thirty. Oh wow! So it's nine fifty our time. Um, so yeah, I get up because I wanted to make sure I had enough time to have coffee and dogs out. See if Kristen need anything from me. Have breakfast, you know. Yeah. So and make sure I get enough books read. I read. Uh, I don't know how many I read this morning. Probably eight total. Wow! Holy smokes! Yeah. Well. Hey, that's Fifteen good. to twenty a book, you know. Yep. And yeah, uh, for sure, especially these oldies. Once in a while, you'll get one that you'll zip through. How but, uh, How old are your kids? Okay, so Jack is fourteen. Sophie is eleven. Henry is. Man, I'm gonna mess this one up. He was born. Okay. <laughs> when was he born? Thirteen. So he's nine. He's nine. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. I, like, I I only have two two nine-year-olds, my, you know, myself. Right. But it's like, I got up at just after seven. They're already downstairs up awake and stuff like that. Um, I don't know how it, how it goes, but usually I have to, like, make an announcement. I am reading comics for the <laughs> podcast. Right. I'll, I'll be leaving the, this room. I'll be going to another room and reading these, these comics because otherwise uh, there will be no – I will have no peace. Well, I have the bad dad that I do when um, I'm reading. So I, I have to get in at least an hour a day, A, to stay on top, and B, to give myself enough self-care that I don't go crazy. Yeah. So um, before I started doing the 8.30 to 5 job, I would, you know, I'd fit it in in the morning, have time to do the treadmill, everything. So now, in order to get the treadmill done, I don't always have time to read in the morning. So sometimes I'll, I'll get one read over a coffee, then i got to run off and get the treadmill done before I got to get the kids out the door for school. Yeah. And so now my self-care is like, I come home before I'm like, all right, do I have time to read before dinner? And then that's what I'll do. I'll sit down for 45 minutes and I will put in earplugs. <laughs> nice. And they will come down and I'll go, huh? What? And I'll do it enough that I think they finally get tired of bugging me. Yeah. And, and I feel like bad dad because I'm like, you know, I check in on them first before I yeah. plop down. But yeah. once I've sat down and I'm in that mode, I, I don't mess with them until time to cook dinner. So. 
that's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's that's what that's what I have to uh, pretty much have to do as well. It's funny that you that you, you're experiencing the same. <laughs> well, you, you've got to the age of the one that is the most attention getting uh, yes. at my house. Yeah, um, 100%. So she does her own thing. Jack, he pretty much. I mean, he's a teenager. He'll come and talk to me when he when he's uh, wanting to talk about something. But other than that, he's self sufficient. He doesn't need me for anything. Um, half the time, he's at band practice now too. When I get home, so mm-hmm. yeah, you know, out of the two of them too, um, it's it's funny. It is definitely a, a boy girl thing though, because Allie will be much more um, self sufficient. Like right. she'll just. Uh, whether she wants to go outside and ride her bike or she wants to stay inside. And she, I mean, she's constantly finding things that she's interested in just doing. Right. Um, but Zach is more, you know, uh, which is fine. There's like, you know, he wants to tell me all the things that he just built in Minecraft, things that he learned, you know, and, and, and it's all awesome. But when, um, you know, when I'm sitting down and I'm trying to finish a, a comic, especially if I'm going to cover one. Right. It's, it's Price. very difficult because because now my attention is 100 percent divided, and I could be reading the same page six times and still not understand what happened. Oh yeah, and, and that's that's one of the and that's why I had thought about maybe revisiting a couple today. I was like, ooh, I could you know go read Leonardo again for the first time in you know 20 something years because as a kid, I read the handful of turtles books I had so many times. It's it's crazy, you know. Yeah. When I mean when you have a collection of, I don't know, 50, 60, 100 comics. You just, and you're in like fifth grade, just read the same ones over and over. Yeah. So that Leonardo one, which is a great issue, you know, I've, I've, I've read, I don't know how many times. So it's definitely not worth whatever money it would have been worth in 1980 something <laughs> money when those were like <laughs> rare and hard to get. So I guess they're probably still rare. It's just not in great shape anymore because, you know, I mean, somebody was talking about that yesterday. They, they, uh, I think it was Vincent. He's like, oh, I got this for such and such money. And I was like, I'm at a point in my life, if they've got a cover and, um, the innards are mostly intact, uh, you know, I, I'm happy. Like if I get the full story and the full cover, I'm, I'm pretty happy with those, you know, as long as I don't, I mean, they gotta be the right price. No, sure. Yeah. yeah. Like that Bob Hope the other day, it did, it did have some look like somebody. It was weird. I can't figure out what was going on with that because normally you would think it was something like that would have been like, I because I've gotten a Donald Duck or something from really old times that you could tell I was in somebody's attic and the mice had chewed on a corner or something. But these each page had a chunk missing out of the bottom right corner, and they were of different sizes. I'm like, I don't get this. Did somebody have like a nervous habit where they would read it and tear the corner off? I could not. <laughs> I could not figure out what was going on with it. It was so weird. That is weird. But I got it for a buck, so I didn't care because I, I still able to read it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's I've changed a lot, and and I I actually probably credit listening to to Mike for it because prior prior to that, um, I would be like, oh, you know, I I gotta have it's got to be at least very fine you know okay. I, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get something you know lower it, it, this is if i'm i'm filling in like back when i was filling in x-men or whatever sure. you know it's like i i you know i'm not gonna 
if I, I, I want to have something that's in really good shape. And then, um, you know, the more I started, I, I think it was a function of two things. One, well, three things, actually. One, listening to Mike and his kind of, like, attitude about the comics and, you know, wanted to read them, which is what I wanted to do anyhow, you know. Right. So, um, but then the other thing is is a factor of, of time. Um, more time continues to pass where these comic books are getting uh, more and more pricey. Right. But also, and then the third thing is, you know, a lot of the stuff I've I've completed, like what I wanted to complete. So the stuff that I haven't are could be a little bit more pricey things that there's no way I'd want to spend that much money for like a very fine or something. But could I get a very good copy? Maybe, you know. So yeah. Um. So yeah, I've gone. I've definitely gone that route route a lot lot more than I um ever had when uh, maybe ten, fifteen years ago. I'll go down to a G if it's something I want bad that I don't want to spend the money on. Like, I think uh, it depends on on what it is for me. If it's like, I typically do VG and up. Yeah, yeah. Because there was there's a, been a couple though when I was back when I was trying to stay on top of uh, we would do the horror movie horror movie horror month and I'd want to do so I tried to buy thirty books well thirty one books because that's October so I tried to buy thirty one books to be ready for the month. And as I'm adding stuff to cart, adding stuff to the cart, I'm like, okay, we're starting to run out of ones that I can afford 30, 31 issues of. So yeah, I would, I grab a, a G Carlton, uh, Charlton or maybe a G, uh, gold key just to, just to top the cart off. And sometimes I get them and they'd be, you could barely tell the difference between it and a VG anyway, you know? And yeah. sometimes you get it and like, whoo, that is one rolled spine. You you, kind of never know what it's getting dinged on. Right. Um, I always get excited when you get one that, you know, definitely looks like a VG on the outside, but you get it open and it's got just gorgeous pages. Those are the ones I like the best. Yeah. I think my comic shop does a great job with um, with that. Like I I can get I get fines all day from my comic shop. I get them and they I, I mean, to me, they look very fine. Yeah. Well, and and the thing with them too is a lot of times if you want something weird, which oftentimes I do, mm-hmm. they're not going to have a VF or above anyway. They're going right. to have they're going to have a fine and a VG and maybe a fair or something, and you're just going to be like, okay, what can I afford? And if I actually want to get this, you know, am I in? And ninety percent of the time, I, I I don't think I've ever bought a fair. I'm too scared of them. For one thing, the one thing I hate that the is staple rust. That's one of those things that bugs the crap out of me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that one, it just grosses me out to have a disintegrating staple that's flaking as I'm flipping the pages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, I guess the one that I really don't care for. Um, plus it, sometimes they'll start staining the entire book. I don't know. Oh, why. Yeah. 100%. That's one of those that just grosses me out, but yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason, but that aside, I'm like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be like, well, if I want to read, Berserker number three with from 1989 with Rob Leefield cover. I mean, this is what they got. So that's what I order. Yep. You know, I do need to order number three. I just got number two. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember if Rob did the cover. That was that one I sent you guys the other day in the, um, the, uh, the chat. Chat. There there was a, some weird air sale book or something. I can't even remember what the name of it was. But yeah, it, it, on my comic shop, it says Rob, Rob Liefeld covers. I was like, really? Cause it does not, I don't think that looks like a Rob Liefeld cover at all, but 
I ordered the first couple. Wow. Can I tell you a secret? And, and he, I don't know. Does Mike go back and listen to these? She'll listen to this one. Oh, nice. Okay. Nice <laughs> to hear me. So sometimes I won't cover something on the show till after I've already ordered a copy because I don't want Mike to buy the last copy. About it. <laughs> so they've only got one. I'll order it before I'll mention it. See, uh, he'll appreciate that because he's always um, he's always trying to get in there and he does the same thing. He won't tell Bill sometimes what he's going to you know, what things that he's ordering because he doesn't want Bill to get in there and order it first. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> I haven't placed a back issue order in a, quite a long time now. I'm kind that's, of that's, trying uh, to save my money. The, that's the thing um, that gets me Yeah. Excuse me. in trouble sometimes is uh, because they let you piggyback. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can just, you can just uh, nickel and dime all day. You'd be like, ooh, what was the one I ordered the other day? Um, I got on that Antarctic kick from covering those ninja high schools. So I was looking through their dollar books the other day, and they had Jungle Comics number one. I knew Mike was a big fan of that, and they had it oh, for yeah. a buck. So, yeah, I'd, you just do a $1 order and throw it throw it on your sub order. So, <laughs> And they, like I say, you just nickel and dime all day. If I go through my, um, my Dave, because I told you where you're doing the Dave Ramsey now. So I'll go through my Dave Ramsey, and I'll be like, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and then like ten MS MCS orders in a row, and and they'll be like anything from like ten bucks to like a dollar fifty or something. So yeah, because I'll, I'll I'll sit and I'll like oh I need to read that, and then I'll look and like ooh it's only a buck I'm gonna order it. Oh I need to read that. Oh it's they got one copy left. Uh, it's four bucks. I'm gonna get it anyway. They only got one left. You know. <laughs> so. It's great, but it, it, the other thing is, did you see how big the box they sent was? Oh my god, that was crazy! 154 comics. <laughs> Holy crap! I'm not going to be doing too many more of those anymore. What does Kristen think about that when that comes? Oh my god, I think I, I, I was glad she was uh, not mad at me because because normally those would get here and she wouldn't see it, and it was that kind of kind of. Kirk thing where he's always telling his wife seeing the boxing like oh my god what did you do Kristen <laughs> was like I cannot believe you ordered this much stuff I was like sorry <laughs> but yeah that was before we kicked in with the, the, the savings and budgeting that we're doing now so I'm not going to be doing any ones that are that big anytime in the future because half of that was pre-orders I think it was like 90 of them were, were pre-orders yeah but that also means like 60 were <laughs> Back issues. <laughs> is that monthly? Is that a monthly uh, yeah, box? Yeah, I, I do a monthly shipment because um, I'm cheap. I want them. I want them here fast, so I do the expensive shipping. But then I don't want to do it every other week. I should think yeah. about it though, because I had one box bust one time because uh, I picked it up and, and it just dumped all over my porch. And I was like, dang! I was oh, just God. happy UPS got it to me in one piece. Wow! You know, because they're you know, like thirty plus pound boxes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a whole lot. I um, uh, you know, now that I am trying to cut cut back a little bit, and I and, and I am doing a fairly good job in terms of like this this shipment that I because I'm still getting the weekly shipments from DCBS. Right. This last shipment, it's only seventeen bucks. That's not like, that bad, and you can get that read in a week feasibly. One hundred percent. I I try to read um. 
what my goal every day is to read four, you know, four new ones. So that's okay. more than enough time. Um, but what I'm thinking is like, you know, I, I'm going to keep this pace, which I'm trying to do. But I really, I really got to go away from, from weekly shipping. There's, it's just a waste to, to have them ship that every, every week. If there's only going to be, let's say 20 comics or something and, in there, you know what I mean. I might as well go bi-weekly. Um, that that'd be fine. You know, have thirty-five to forty comics. That's that's a decent I, number. I used to do bi-weekly, um, and now now I basically am twice a month because we do. Chad does his through DCBS, and I like it because that keeps my account open for like when the Frank Miller comes along, or something where they've got a way to access something that my comic shop can't access easily. Yeah. So I, I'm happy that we do that. So I get basically the first two weeks of the month I get books, and then there's two to three weeks where I don't get anything. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but and the first one's usually not much. I might have, might have, typically it's trades. Like I do the Mighty Marvel Masterworks through them because they're way cheaper for their trades, at least the Marvel DC ones. Yeah. And then I'll I'll have a, a couple of random things where like say MCS will close down ordering for the month and. I'm like, okay, well, I changed my mind. I'm on the fence about do I want to, you know, and I rabbit hole, as I've told you. And I'm like, uh, my rabbit hole this month is I want to get everything Antarctic's doing. So, and I've already placed my, my comic shop order. So it's like, okay, I'll, I'll put it on DCBS. So they'll <laughs> come out of next month's budget, which is the other nice thing with them. You can edit it right up to the last minute and then it's, it doesn't charge till later. So Yeah, that is nice. Yeah. Um, I, I I had I started out with <clears throat> biweekly shipping and I, I just I didn't love it because you know obviously some it, it, it's not biweekly it's twice it's twice a month so right um you know some some months have five weeks in there and then I'm right. sitting there waiting and waiting I got nothing to read because it, you know it's it's taking an extra week to ship and I'm just sitting there I I, I got to learn to be okay with that. Yeah. Um. In in just and just you know not. I you know I get too um like uh, I constantly checking oh did did it ship did it ship and you know anxious to get them and I'm gonna have to change my my attitude if I go back to biweekly because I I know it's not ideal but it will save me some money and right really it, it doesn't make a difference if I'm reading them three weeks later or you know, the week that it comes out, honestly. So I, I don't know. Well, if you ever do um, set up with uh, a different place, the one thing I have learned, uh, and I know you're a big DCBS person, and I'm not trying to get you to change, but if you ever do try out one of the other services, because I know like Westfield, they were doing uh, 50% off for the first three months. Oh, wow. So I did I did three months worth of them. Um, and I would have stuck to them, but – because they're close, so it gets here really quick. Because it's from Wisconsin, but their their discounts not even as good as my comic shop either. So I ended up not sticking with them. But uh, the, nice service, good prices. That's that's good to know. Um, but the the one thing though I will say is if you start my comic shop and Westfield, whatever week you start on, that's the shipping week you'll have from then on out. Oh really? Okay. So I just happen to do my first one like the second week of a month. So now my comic shop is always the second week of the month. So. You know, um, 
I know for a while I was getting even even Mike, who, who pretty much doesn't uh, complain about much. You know, we we're both getting pretty frustrated, and and, and you guys as well with uh, DCBS with their with their shipping. Right. Um. But uh, for the past several months months now, it, it's like the weekend, and uh, my order, my like my next shipment is already sitting there. This was as of yesterday. My next next this coming week shipment is already just is already itemized and and sitting there. And I mean, they'll send that stuff off on Mondays now. Mondays nice. and Tuesdays. Yeah. I mean, I haven't had an issue for for months. It's been. Yeah, it's I, been I don't good. know what what changed. I, I know that they. I mean, it wasn't all them. Some some of the time they were having some issues with Diamond, but um, uh, it seems like they've gotten back into a, a good swing of things where. I'll, I'll get my comics ninety percent of the time on on that Friday, right? Um, Me too. And the other ten percent maybe on, on on Saturday instead if it just is a, a little bit late. Um, but I've gotten than, them even on Thursday. I've I think I've gotten them Thursday maybe two or three times ever. But you know, you are a, a, a lot closer to where right. they are than I am. So, right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have no. I've had no issues with them. That that's the other thing is like, how do I really want to switch back to biweekly now that they finally have their act together and I'm getting them yeah. every single week right on time, like I wanted. You know what I mean? So it's like I, that's why I haven't pulled the trigger yet to switch to a biweekly schedule. But fifteen um, bucks though, man. I mean, you know, yeah. if you save it, that's what that's uh, that's like six books maybe. That's, that's 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 six books that were on the fence. You can get them now. Yep, that's true. That's just that's just what I'm saying. You do you do what works for you. Obviously, uh, the the only thing I'll say with DCBS lately is um, uh, and they have gotten much better about communicating too. I think it been, haven't they? They're a hundred percent better than they were a, a year ago. It was non-existent a year ago. Uh, I've been getting dings lately on books that are that I'm like, you know, if these were like used, I wouldn't care. But these are supposed to be brand new, kind of. Eh, I'm not happy with it. And then the other thing is, especially trades. I want if it's if it's like a trades that uh I've paid new retail for, I run them to be in good shape. Yeah. So that bugs yeah. me. But the the other thing is, um, I think even their cancellations have gotten a little bit better. Some of them are still a little weird. Like uh, I had one of the free comic book day ones they canceled on me. I'm like, well, thanks yeah. for the 0. 0.00 credit. I know, right? <laughs> the, and the thing that makes me mad is like, and I'm one of those people. I I I, I used to would just grab stuff when I saw it because like uh, I wanted to make sure I had a copy on free comic book day. And now I'm like, no, let some other kid get it or some other adult half the time, you know. Whatever. Yeah. I had that stupid uh, 2000 AD in my hand, and I was like, no, nah, I've ordered it from, from DCBS. And, of course, that's the one I think got canceled on me and Kirk. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a I had a handful, too, and, and I was the same way. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to pick out uh, some of them. Because Stacy, believe it or not, actually likes going to the free comic book day stuff. So she goes, we actually, I think we went to three different places. Nice. This last year, but same, just like you said, it's like, well, you know, I'll grab a couple here or there, whatever, but for the most part, um, you know, 
letting the kids grab something or I'll pick something that maybe I didn't pick through DCBS. Right. And then I got one, two, three, like four cancellations that they just aren't, you know, we're, we're <laughs> shorted a place. And that's always I, a bummer. I didn't get them, you know, I, I, those yeah. were like, one was that Winchester mystery house. Yep. Um, uh, source point press. So I just lost out on that one. I didn't pick that up anywhere. And, uh, that's, that's how it went. And the other one was that, um, I don't, there used to be chapter house. I forget what they're called now, but it was. Oh like, yeah. The Lev Gleason. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You know what? I finally learned from, from that company though. Um, Joe, a few couple months ago, they resolicited Captain Canuck and a couple other ones, I think. Yeah. I, I'm not ordering them. I, I uh, if if they ever come, if they ever actually show up in a comic book shop, then maybe I'll just. I, I know it's just cheaper to get them from here, but and then I'll get a credit if they don't show up. But it's like I've ordered them so many times and they just don't show up. They just end up being canceled. Well, you know I don't what? You, what you do? Them. Just put them on your your. You do have my comic shop account, right? Yeah, I do. Just put it on your want list, and if they ever show up, they'll send you an email. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that's and true. then you can it, look for them. Then I don't know what they got going on <laughs> up there, right? But they they can't get comic books. Actually. Oh yeah, and I, I always hated life. that because stuff would be like seven eight months old, and I'd end up writing DCBS a, an email saying, "Hey, this still is not here. Could you cancel it? Because I'd love to have the credit to put towards something else." Yep. You know and. Yeah. DCBS, I know my wife would be like, ugh, they're going to roll their eyes as soon as they see your name pop up in their email. I'm like, I know. That's how I feel half the time, too, especially for, uh, you know, not recently, but a while ago. I felt like I was constantly emailing them if it wasn't for uh, dinged up books. Then it was, you know, asking them to cancel something or asking them, you know, are you crediting us for shipping because you only shipped two times? You know, for and I've got monthly or weekly shipping rather, and only shipped two times, and you know all that stuff. So, ooh, the one time I did that, they were sketchy. Okay, but, but, uh, yeah, same. I'm gonna put them on blast for this one. So the one time I sent that, they did a double shipment that month so that they wouldn't have to refund me back. Yep, because I'm, I'm monthly on them. So what they do, they did back to back shipments, and they're oh no, we shipped twice. I'm like, no, you know okay. what? And, and I was the same way, and I didn't pursue it. Right, because honestly, it wouldn't have got me anywhere. No, and it's not like I was leaving their service anyhow. So you know, right. that's the other thing. But I'm paying for weekly shipping. Mm-hmm. Not, as far as I'm concerned, that's what it's called: weekly shipping. Right. It's not. It's not four times a month. It's not nope. two times in one week. It's weekly shipping. <laughs> Twice in weeks ridiculous. Last week, so I should get a. I should get a discount. Yeah, I agree. Month, I say. You know? Yeah, because they they charge it on the front end, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it, they they say twice a month. They say monthly, twice a month, and weekly. Right. But weekly is every week, not four times. Mm. Yeah, that's well, I don't that's know. Not cool. <laughs> yeah, I've got it's one of those. They are definitely the every time I think I'm done with them, I I get I get I get snuck back in. The, the way I really got back with them because I was done, and then COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And my comic shop shut down in the middle of me doing my order, and I freaked out. Yes. Yeah. So it's like I don't know what I'm gonna do. How am I gonna get books? Um, and you know we we didn't want we didn't have a 
we didn't know at the time that we had a comic book store open. We actually did because um, they uh, have a U-Haul service out of one side of the building. <laughs> so they were able to stay open because of that. But at the time, I didn't know that. So I was like, I don't know. I'm going to get books. I was like, we I'm have I'm going to have to go back to CBS. <laughs> We have one that's a is a coffee it's a coffee shop in mm-hmm. um, comic book shop and the restaurants were still open to okay that you cut, well that you could come in and, and get takeout orders you know sure sure so because they sold food and beverages you could go in and still get that stuff but they it was different at least in New York that they said no that the rest of the store is off limits you can't oh, I got you. you're not allowed to make sales that aren't food purchases. Yeah. So. Yeah. I can't remember if it was curbside or what, because I was doing the home delivery because you could like Venmo them money and they would just straight up bring it to your house. So I, oh, I was just cool. doing it that way. Yeah. And they, and I think the bulk of what I did through them during that, because like I say, I freaked out and ended up ordering through DCBS anyway. <laughs> um, it was, uh, I would, they would have these mystery boxes because, like, they're like, how are we going to sell back issues? So they were selling them through these mystery boxes. And they're like, do you want independent, uh, DC or Marvel? And tell us some of what you like. And they would build these boxes. And I, I did several of them. And it was, it was pretty cool. The only bummer was I started getting doubles of the trades. And I was like, okay, if I'm starting to get the same trade more than once from them, A, they probably are doing so many of these, they're not paying attention. And B, I, that's a good, portion of the value of this mystery box was getting the the hardcovers so yeah yeah i quit doing them after i think four but they were they were pretty sweet uh because yeah i even was like hey i'm out of bags and boards and they like throw that in with it as well (laughs) that's pretty cool yeah it's good stuff what a weird time it was i mean seriously not even three years ago and it still feels so surreal like that didn't really happen (laughs) I know. You know what I mean? It's like so weird. Even now that this recent that like everything was closed. You couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't oh, go any stores. They were closed down. So people weird. people wondered at work the other day, it's like, do you think we'll ever go back to shutdowns if we get, you know, a really bad run again? I was like, No. I don't Mm-mm. think people I don't think people be willing to do it. There's people that are like, I am gonna risk my life to go get this new Xbox. And they don't care anymore. No, and, and I, I don't think any politician on either side of the aisle have the appetite to do that again Mm-mm. either. Like it would never be – they're just never going to do – they're never going to do that again. No, I agree. Yeah. All right, brother, you want to go first you want me to go first? Yeah, I can go. Um, okay. So I'm going to um, – the first one I'm going to discuss is the is the movie I watched last night. Now, what you may or may not um, be aware of – Chris and Mike certainly are, is that got a book quite a few years ago now. It's got to be almost 10 years ago, <laughs> and I'm still working on this. It's 101 Horror Movies You Must See Before You Die. Okay. So I wrote them all out, and I said, okay, whether I've seen the, these movies or not, because yeah, obviously I'd seen a, a decent, not a ton, but maybe 30 of them, maybe 40. Sure. Um. Whether I've seen them or not, now that I've gotten this book and gone through them, I'm going to watch all 101 of these movies from from this day on, right? right. So if I've seen it before, I'll watch it again. Um, and I'm still working on it. I think I got less than 20 left. I, I, I don't remember exactly. 
uh, how many. But anyhow, um, so every once in a while, I'll I'll watch one of those, and sometimes I cover it on the show. And the one that I watched last night was not the original uh, Nosferatu from 1922, but I don't even want to call it a remake, but the other one called Nosferatu, The Vampire from 1979. Is that Klaus, Kin- Klaus Kinski or something it like that? 100% is. Wow, yeah. look at you. I'm um, a yeah. blockbuster, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, directed by Werner uh, Herzog. Yep. And uh, it's like a joint French-German uh, uh, production, but it's it's all in English. Uh, at least the version I saw had no option for uh, like German talking and, and subtitles. It was just all English. Um I kind of, from the not knowing anything about it, and, and from the from the poster and stuff, I assumed it was a remake for of Nosferatu from 1922 with Count Orlock. It, it is not; it's um, a retelling of Count Dracula. Um, however, Dracula looks exactly like Nosferatu looks, Count Orlock looks in 1922. The bald, the bald head, and the pointed ears, and those creepy. Um, front teeth that are that are pointed. It's very not an elegant vampire at, at all. A, a really bizarre, scary looking creature instead. Um, but it is. It, it's but it's the it's it's a version of the Dracula story. And it was pretty interesting. Um, it definitely wasn't my favorite, but I appreciated it um, for what it was, and I enjoyed watching it. Um, starts uh, somewhat similarly, uh, except. Um, so Jonathan Harker, uh, he uh, works in um, real estate. His wife, he's already married. His wife is Lucy, not Mina. Um, and Mina is a, a friend's um, wife. She's a very, very small bit role in this. Um, and uh, he works, Jonathan uh, Harker works for a man named Renfield, who's very odd, uh, constantly cackle, cackling to himself, even in the best of uh situations and he said he says that this uh this count dracula wants to move to um this area in germany um called wismar and uh he wants jonathan harker to cross the carpathian mountains to transylvania to meet up with him and get him to sign a contract on these old um on a castle that's actually near harker's house it's um kind of in ruins and uh renfield uh feels confident that they can sell this to Dracula and Dracula could make it, uh, make it up to, uh, be his own, own, uh, uh, house. So, um, so Jonathan goes ahead. He, he, he says goodbye to Lucy and he goes, and, um, uh, at this point it's, it's a little, pretty much similar. You know, he, he rides off, uh, to a nearby village. Nobody in the village wants him to go. They refuse to take him. um, they they say that you know nobody goes to that Dracula's castle and, and comes back alive and um, <clears throat> he ends up walking and when he gets to a certain point a carriage does come pick him up from Dracula and and takes him into the into the um, castle and uh, you know they sit down he, he has something uh, to eat he minorly nicks his hand on on a knife um, while cutting bread and. A weirdo Dracula grabs his hand and starts uh, sucking <laughs> the blood out. And uh, so uh, at this point, um, you know, he stands up kind of in horror and 
Dracula, you know, gets keeps getting closer and closer and he's backing up and he falls down into a chair and and it's kind of funny because Dracula's like, oh yes, let's let's sit here by the fire and so he sits down next to him and next thing he knows he passes out and he wakes up in in a bed uh, on the upper floor of the castle and it's daytime and um you know uh, Dracula's nowhere to be found of course and he had mentioned that he's he's occupied during the day that you know he's always away and they're going to have to settle these affairs at night. So then the next night, um, he does, um, uh, he sees a picture of, of Lucy and, um, he's enraptured by her and quickly wants to sign the paperwork to, for that castle. And, um, you could tell he's been feeding on Jonathan Harker, uh, as well, um, at, at night, kind of like puts him under hypnosis. And then Jonathan wakes up more lethargic each day. Um, he wakes up uh, one uh, early morning where it's still um, dark enough outside, and he sees the carriage with a bunch of black coffins being loaded onto um, a carriage, and you see, he sees um, Dracula actually climb into one cover, uh, the lid, and, and the carriage goes off. So he's kind of been left here, and <clears throat> he... Uh, does that happen in the regular one? I can't no, remember. No, okay. it, does, it does not. Okay. Um, so he starts going from uh, door to door, you know, everywhere leading out of the castle, and everything's locked. You can't can't get in any. You can't get out anywhere, rather. And <clears throat> finally, he um, and these are all like very sturdy doors. And finally, he he much like uh, like a prince a princess up in a tower. He cuts a bunch of bed sheets and ties them together and breaks a window and, and he actually climbs out and, and escapes that way. Um, I feel like that's the one, and now that you're saying all this, I could not remember for the life of me what happens to Jonathan in the book or in the original movie. Like, and it's I almost have like not, they quit dealing with him. He just yeah. disappears. Okay. Yeah, yeah cool. I've still not read the book. Um, is the book any good to read? Uh, I read it many, many years ago. I remember liking it, but, uh, it was one of those that, I mean, it's very much of its time. So it's going to read like a book from the 1800s. Yeah. Very old book. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked it. Quincy's a lot cooler in the book. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, no. So, um, uh, so anyhow, he, you know, he, he vows to himself. He's like, now he kind of realizes what Dracula is, um, and says, you know, he's got to get, he's got to get there, um, because he knows, uh, from, um, how he was staring at, um, Jonathan's locket that he's, he's kind of there for, for Lucy. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, Dracula is not going by land. He's going by sea. And, uh, one, and, and you see a little bit of this on, on the boat, but, um, finally, you know, one day the, this, this ship just comes sailing into into port and kind of slowly bumps into the the dock and um uh, people climb aboard there's the captain is is lashed and tied to his his wheel but he's dead and there's no one else uh aboard everyone else is gone um they read the captain's diary and it says how people keep going missing until there was only him and the first mate left and um people think that Maybe it was plague. The Black Plague uh, uh, is involved with uh, in this version as well. Um, but anyhow, uh, at night, 
uh, Dracula leaves the leaves the boat with all the coffins and stuff and, and puts himself up at that abandoned castle. And um, shortly after that, Jonathan Harker does make it home, but he's he's in really bad shape at this point. Where the uh, he's been, I think, between the long travel and also being constantly um, fought upon by Dracula, he's he's just about out of his mind at this point where he doesn't even know who um, Lucy is. Um, uh, Dracula is, is going about his business at night. He actually uh, ends up feeding because uh, Lucy was staying at her, her neighbors in the, in the interim um, before Jonathan got back and, and actually fed on Mina and killed her. Um, and uh, you know, finally it gets to the point where we're, uh, Jonathan is like really like not there at all. He's 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 there in body but not mind. And um, Lucy, from her observations, finally realizes what exactly Count Dracula is, <clears throat> and and realizes what what needs to be done um, because Jonathan came back with a book um, that the villagers there in that town in Transylvania had given him um, that describes. Um, vampires and, and creatures of evil and so forth. And she realizes that Dracula must be a vampire and that something has happened to Jonathan. So um, she encourages the local doctor, um, Dr. Van Helsing, to assist. And he really doesn't buy into any of this and <clears throat> thinks that, you know, that there's a lot to, um, a lot of other explanations you have to look um, at in terms of science before you go into um, superstition and the supernatural. Um, Renfield, we don't know why. Uh, it's it, it, it seemed to me that maybe he was already under Dracula's thrall right from the beginning when he sent Jonathan Harker because we don't see any other interactions between Dracula and Renfield, but now he's gone totally uh, insane and he's, he's at an insane asylum and he won't eat anything. He's just eating flies and stuff like that, just like in the <clears throat> 30s movie um, with Bela Lugosi. Uh, but he, he, he really not a, a role of any substance and, and it, no bearing. It's just another example that, that Lucy is tr- trying to say, you know, like he's got these people under his under his power and, and Ben Helsing doesn't believe it at all. Um, she ends up having to go on her own um and she uh she ends up um taking like a, a holy eucharist and uh sprinkling it around her husband um because he's he's acting very very strange and um and he's sitting in a chair and, and they just uh and she spreads it around him so he can't he actually can't go uh, beyond that that area um which was which was kind of interesting to to use that um and uh <clears throat> so anyhow um she reads more that um she can she can basically defeat um from the book she said she realized she can defeat dracula by distracting him until it's dawn um because the sun's rays would 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 kill um would kill him, and sure enough, um she ends up luring him into her bedroom and he starts um drinking her blood and sure enough um 
at one point he wants to leave and she kind of beckons him suggestively um, back and um, he can't resist her and goes back to, to feeding on her neck. And sure enough, the it's the light of day and the rooster crows and um, he, he kind of is shocked. He looks and he stares out the window and the sun's rays hit him and he collapses on the floor dead. However, oh, so he didn't like disintegrate. He just dies. He just dies. He just, okay. he just falls over dead. And, um, and, uh, you see Lucy just, you know, lying in, in bed, not moving. And, uh, then Helsing, um, arrives and sees that Nosferatu is, or I'm sorry, that Dracula is dead on the floor, um, and realizes that what Lucy said was actually, um, true. So he calls for a stake and drives it through, um, the Count's heart. And, um, he checks, of course, before that, he checks on Lucy and Lucy has died as well. Um, and a, a sacrifice was needed in order for Dracula to be destroyed and, and she was the sacrifice. So, um, you know, he, he feels, uh, very bad that he didn't listen to her. Um, and, uh, you see him kind of, uh, call like, you know, the, uh, the servants back into the house. And uh, Jonathan kind of awakes. He's, he's been sleeping in that chair, stuck, and uh, he kind of awake, uh, um, awakes. And um, I'm sorry, uh, Van Helsing <laughs> didn't leave yet. And um, and he calls. Uh, Jonathan calls to one of the servants. Says, "Oh, look, look at this place. It's disgusting. Look at these crumbs all over the floor." And you know, he, he gets the um, the maid to like uh, scoop up all the Eucharist that's around the floor. Oh no! In the mean- yeah. In the meantime. Um, you see that, uh, you see the, uh, not just the staff, but the police arrive and they actually, um, I don't, I, I, I'd forgotten this part in, um, until just now, but, uh, the police actually, uh, go upstairs, check things out and see that that counts dead and that, and that's, um, that who is stabbed in the heart and, uh, the police actually arrest Van Helsing for the murder of, uh, Dracula. Um, so Jonathan wakes uh, wakes up. He now he's free. Uh, he says that he's got a lot to do, and then he gets out on a horse, and you see that he's he he, he starts riding away. So um, the implication is he's the new vampire now that's gonna um, spread gonna, the disease. It, yeah, come, yeah, exactly. Spread the disease. Um, there's a lot of um, I, I didn't cover this necessarily, but in the background, there's a lot of talk uh, about the Black Plague. Um, that's going on at the same time as Dracula. So that's another reason why um, Van Helsing was kind of hesitant at first because people are dropping dead all over the place from the Black Plague. Right. Um, in addition to, um, you know, uh, Dracula actually killing people by sucking their blood, it's, there's just so many people dying that it's, it was really transparent. And Lucy was the only one to, to really realize what was going on, but nobody would listen to her. So it was quite a different story and and again I didn't read the book but right. quite a different story from the 1931 version with Bela Lugosi which I'm so familiar with where uh, the hero here is 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 Lucy um Harker which right. is is a quite a quite a difference and you know Van Helsing has really you know had nothing to do with it until the end where he realizes that Lucy was right all along and I mean, Jonathan Harker is, it turns into a vampire at the end. So it's, it was pretty, it was very interesting and I'm very happy that I watched it, but it was a very slow moving movie. Okay. And not 
something that I would see myself going back to to watching again for pleasure. Um, it, it was good. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it's not something that I would, re, you know, would necessarily rewatch. I got two thoughts on that. Um, I'll try to do both of them so I don't forget. Because what happens? I'll get multiple thoughts in my head and then I'll forget one of them. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. I know for a fact in the book that Lucy is uh, the one that Quincy's in love with. And basically, she's the first one, I want to say, in England who gets attacked. And she turns into a vampire because... And, and that's how the 1931 movie is as well. Okay. Does it have the whole almost borderline pedophilia thing with she's only attacking little kids? I That I do not remember. Okay. And, it could be, and, but I, don't, I just don't remember. Cause it, and, and maybe I'm mixing it up, too. Here's the problem in life. When you've heard a story many times <laughs> in different iterations, uh, I may be hearing... So we watched it in gifted class uh, back when I was in, I don't know, sixth grade, because we would have these summer things we could sign up for. And one of them that I signed up for was like supernatural stuff. So we did like cryptids and monsters and stuff. And I remember watching a really gory version of Dracula that year. And then so I have that one in my head. I have the book in my head. I have the Bram Stoker's Dracula comic in my head. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah, all start yeah, to it's hard to separate those. conflate and remember which is which. But I remember there was a whole thing where she was attacking children. And um, so it was the lady in white, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, and that was that was always kind of Lucy's thing. She was the first one to get attacked. Right. And I find that that interesting. They decided to make her the heroine. Uh, versus Mina, because, you know, Alan Moore, that's who he ended up attaching to for uh, League was Mina. Oh, okay, yep. Oh, uh, that's right, yeah, in the Extraordinary League of Gentlemen, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thought, okay, so the thing I was reading this last week, there's a book uh, about Agatha Christie and her expertise about poisons, because I guess she didn't like the violence of, like, knives and guns, so she didn't use them typically in her books. Anyway, so it's all about uh, the poisons, and one was A is uh, it's called A is for arsenic. So I'm reading about arsenic, and they think maybe because in Eastern Europe there was a community where people would take arsenic because it would um, kill off bacteria, and they uh-huh. would take it in such amount of dose that uh, and, and arsenic's funny, and, and I'll explain that in a second. So they would take a certain certain amount, and it would like make them have fuller faces have rosier cheeks. Uh, it killed bacteria so that they would stay healthier. But it would build up. It's kind of like uh, it would build up to a point where it actually you'd be immune to it. But then if you kept doing it for long enough, it would turn against you and eventually kill you. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, for a while there seemed to be health benefits, it ultimately it's still toxic. It's just it doesn't kill you quickly, you know, like the Ugh! and the guy falls over at dinner thing. Right. Um, <laughs> Anywho, the reason I thought of it just now is because they think because uh, this community had such high usage of arsenic, uh, they also had a problem about amount of graves that they had. So they wonder if um, the whole vampire phenomenon possibly got started in this area of Eastern Europe because when they would go and disinter the bodies because they needed more graves to do burials – <laughs> the bodies would be fully formed still because the bacteria that causes decay was being held off by the arsenic. Arsenic? Oh my god! That's fantastic. So the, 
So these bodies would be in a full state of uh, not non decomposure, if you will. You know, yeah. I probably just made up a word, but you get what <laughs> I'm saying. They 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 hadn't started to rot like a typical human would have because they had so much arsenic in their body, and so they're wondering if this was where some of the early ideas of vampires in Eastern Europe came from, is because they would have these non non decomposed bodies, and people like, oh, it's a vampire, you know, whatever. Of course, wow. That's really that's really interesting. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yes, it is. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> yeah, I never got around to watching that one. Um, what was the one they did um, with uh, Willem Dafoe? Where he now? Oh, that's, that's when a good one. He was, but he was making not the seventies version. He was oh. making the thirties version or twenties so, version, right? Yeah. So that one is 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 Fritz uh, is um, no Max Schruck. Right. Um, the actor uh, right. playing Nosferatu, but from what I can remember, he literally is a, really a vampire. Okay, yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. So uh, it is the, like what is it called? Version. Shadow of the Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire. That's right. what. It's called. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, that was, a good. That's a good movie. Yeah, I like that one a lot. Did that yeah. make your book, or does that count as a horror movie? Uh, I think it would, but no, it's not. It, it's it's not in there. Um, like you know, as you can imagine, it, it goes from. It goes from the, some silent movies, and like I said, it's about ten years old now. This this book, sure. uh, so it goes from the couple silent movies. There's three or four silent movies in there from the twenties all the way up to It Follows, which was the last entry, which I think that came out in like 2012 or something like that. Have you seen uh, It Follows? I think it's more recent than that because I was at BAM, so I want to say maybe 2015. Hang on, I will tell you right now because I got the book right right here. Yeah. That's the right one. It follows 2014. Very good. Yep. Yeah. So that's the last. So that's the last one. So I bought this probably 2015 because it was very updated. I'm like wow, it's got it. It follows in there. So it was like I got it in like 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. Dang, I want to get it. Follows. That's one of those I want my 14 year old to watch because then he'll never uh, have to worry about getting anybody pregnant because or catching anything because that if there's ever a movie that's anti sex, it was It Follows. You know, but it was brilliant because in the other ones, in in, in your typical horror movie, as soon as you have sex, you know that you're going to be the they're going to be the next one killed. Right here, the only way, way to stay alive. Is to is to pass it on to somebody else. That, that is true. Wow. I forgot about that. Oh my gosh, that might actually make it worse. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, it turned it on its head. It's like right. no, you you have to in yeah. order for for them to stop it stop following you. I but, thought it. I love. I really love that movie. I thought it was so well done. It's such a like a nebulous time frame. They don't tell you when it is. Right. Like some of the cars look more modern, some of them look older. Like the girl has a cell phone, but it looks looks super old compared to 2014 technology. I mean, there was a lot. It was I liked that portion, and of course, I I just like the concept in general. And then, well, yeah, so obviously you've seen the movie, right? Yeah, right? yeah, and well, even yeah, at the it's, end, it's you don't know venereal disease. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And at the end, you don't know were they successful or not because, right. you know, the two of them are walking down the sidewalk and you see in the background somebody else walking down the sidewalk. And you're like, is it just somebody walking down the sidewalk? Right. Or are they, or is it, or are they being followed again? You don't, yeah. you don't know. It, it was super interesting. And I don't know if you ever read this, but um, uh, 
majority, if not, uh, I guess, unless they were, because I think a couple of them following them were naked, but um, almost all of the forms that it took, they were wearing white. And, mm-hmm. and sure enough, like the person in the background and, you know, on that sidewalk at the very end of the movie, it has, has a white shirt on. So, like, you still don't know. I don't remember I, that. Yeah, that makes sense, though, because I was just going to say, I remember the original WTF moment when you're watching is like, the girl's like acting all freaked out, and I think oh she's in God. like white negligee, yeah, running down the street, and the dad or somebody comes up and he goes, "Hi, honey," and I'm like, "What a weird reaction!" <laughs> Did, have you? Do you? Do you have sh- we've talked about Shutter before. Do you have Shutter? We don't know service. Um, they're doing um, they're doing a, a list of the scariest movie moments, mm-hmm. and uh, that opening scene from it, it follows. They I think was the first one that they covered. Oh, it should be because yeah, you're like, what the bleep is going on? Yeah, like going right out the bat, she's obviously yeah. scared to death, but nobody else is reacting. Right, nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, hon. And she's like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, if nothing else, your daughter's half naked, running down the street, freaked out. Exactly. Uh, it's a classic. <laughs> All righty. Well, I'll go ahead and do Batman because that's probably the one I've I've read this twice now. Once. Uh, to to read to many many years ago and then as a quick flip through read this morning so i've been doing the batman year three most uh, recently on twitter and this is part four of four issue 439 this is i believe i want to say this is from like 1989 maybe yeah, 1989, because yeah, I was thinking that yesterday. Uh, I was like, hey, this is about when the movie started to come out. It was the same time these these this little run I'm reading right now was uh, going on. So we're kind of hitting on all cylinders. Huh? What issue did you say? Uh, 439. 439, cool. Yeah, so it's the it's the last issue of year three, and you got those great George Perez covers. Um, and it's a Marv Wolfman joint. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Broderick's doing the art. Pat Broderick, I, I wonder how feel, people feel about him. Um, he's one of those, I, I don't know when I first ran into him. Maybe, did he do Blue Beat? No, that was Paris Collins. I don't know where I would have seen I think that. he did a bunch of Firestorm. Okay, that would make sense. It does 80s. have that Firestorm vibe to it. And uh, he's one of those artists that I think, you, if you roll with, he's really enjoyable, but sometimes the first time, if you just take a panel of it, and you're like, man, this is kind of weird looking. <laughs> but as you're getting into the story, it, it, I, I actually really enjoy the art. Um, so anyway, just to lead up to where we're at, Zuko, the guy who had killed Dick Grayson's parents, has uh, been let out of prison on parole. Leading into this issue, Nightwing and and Batman have not been getting along great because Jason had died previously. A lot, like I say, a lot going on this year. Within a year, I feel like you had Jason come in um, in the reboot or soft reboot, whatever you call the post crisis era. Because I don't, I don't know. It's kind of like they almost did the whole um, rebirth thing with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's very, it's like a reboot, but it's like a soft reboot, and all this stuff's quashed down into three years, and you're like, I don't know about that, but okay. Um, you sure did go through a lot of Robins in a couple of years, Bats, but whatever. <laughs> so, um, Jason's died, uh, Joker's gone and <laughs> joined the United Nations for one issue, then apparently gotten killed. Uh, Nightwing and, and Bruce are not getting along. Bruce is, you know, miserable and by himself again. So, anyway. 
Zuko gets let out at the start of this issue and is immediately gunned down. Nightwing can, uh, confronts Bruce and he said, you let this happen. And, uh, Bruce is like, no, I didn't know this was going to happen. He was just, I was just really afraid that if I got to him, I was going to strangle him for what he put you through. So at this point, he's still going through the trauma that Dick had to live through and the fact that, you know, he, he keeps taking on these basically damaged children and, um, putting them in dangerous situations. <laughs> so. Anyway, so there's this guy tapped, he's doing this speech, he's listening to it in the Batmobile, and the gist of it is Zuko wrote this great diary, and it's going to let everybody know about all the criminal activities of Gotham, and we've got to find this book. And Batman's like, oh, great, this jerk's built out a call to arms, everybody's going to be trying to be the new Zuko, because there's going to be this, basically, vacuum in the criminal underworld. Uh, So... Of course, Batman being Batman, he's going to go out, try to figure out what happened to uh, to the, the the ledger of Zuko's. Alfred and Nightwing are kind of sitting around in the Batcave as one or as want to do when Bruce is left off in a tizzy. And so you start getting into a flashback and you see Dick Grayson on the stands uh, being talked to because, you know, and I'm glad they covered this because. It, it is weird. It's like, how does, like, a guy just get a kid to be his ward? And what does ward mean? <laughs> right. And, and so it goes into it, and he's and Bruce gets on the stand, and he's like, I'm not just a playboy. I care about children and all this kind of stuff. And then Dick Grayson gets on the stand, and he's like, I don't want another dad. Bruce Wayne's not going to be my dad, but I'll be his ward. And he's going to take care of me. And if I can't be with my parents, I'd like to be with Mr. Wayne. And, and, and you see Bruce with a big shitting grin on his face and Alfred's all excited. And, and everybody who's a homophobic is coming up with like fan fiction right now. Um, <laughs> so then uh, you see Dick back in the back cave with Alfred. And he said, you know, you guys did a really great job raising me. And I always had, care and love in my life even though I lost my parents and Alfred's like well wouldn't you want to have killed Zuko if you could have and Dick is Dick he's like sure I would have wanted to but I never would have acted on it that was never Dick Grayson's character he's not going out to kill people and he is not going to let revenge consume him the same way Batman has because they're totally two different kinds of people and that's actually a really cool thing that you'll see in this issue so anyway back to Bruce He's at a bar beating the crap out of a bunch of people, and he runs into this one guy, Drexel. He's like, all right, Drexel, you give up the goods. And Drexel's like, eh, I don't know where the ledger's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Batman gets pissed, throws him against the wall. Okay. So then you go, and uh, there's another confrontation with some goons that Batman has. But I'm going to skip that part to the more important part. So Nightwing goes to see Drexel. And I just thought it's so interesting the way they – how would Nightwing handle it? Nightwing isn't going to beat him up. Nightwing's not going to, like, like grab him and break a wrist or something like Bruce would. He comes in while the guy's in the shower, and he just basically looks at him really intimidatingly. He sits down on the toilet. He's asking his questions. <laughs> he gets this tube of toothpaste, and he just is slowly squeezing it and squeezing it and squeezing it. And toothpaste is shooting all over the room. And for whatever reason, the guy is totally intimidated by a guy squeezing the tube of toothpaste, and he gives up the goods to him. And he's like, okay, Drexel, I owe you one. 
hey, you missed a spot down there because, you know, he's showering, which is you know, funny. So uh, and then, of course, the the main guy, Taft, who's trying to find the Zuko ledger, comes in and says, I heard what you said, Drexel, and, and he kills the guy. So I just thought that was really cool. So you see how differently, like, Bruce acts in the situation, how different Dick acts in the situation to uh, something going on, which – you know, jumping far in the future, if I ever get to it uh, on the show, I loved when Dick was Batman for a while because he was a very different Batman. And I yeah. really enjoyed that dynamic with him and, and Damien. So, OK. Dick knows now that this ledger is hidden at the old orphanage because what Drexel told him. So he goes to the orphanage. Horrible torrential rainstorm. And the the nun who uh, was with the. Uh, Zuko, when Zuko was in the orphanage and when Dick was in the orphanage for God, how long could Dick have been in the orphanage? Probably not very long, but no. Sister Mary remembers him anyway. So they're walking in this downpour and they're talking and she's like, well, last time I saw Zuko, he was up in the, the tower and we never shut down the tower. He had a pail of cement and, and uh, Dick's like, okay, that's interesting. So he runs up. He's like, this mortar has been, uh, removed and repatched and they did a really crappy job so he starts uh taking the brick out and uh our guy comes up oh crap i already forgot what his name was anyway the guy who's trying to find the zuko ledger um he finds it he pulls it out of the brick and so he proceeds of what things does he have to beat dick in the head do you remember Mm-mm. oh it's 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 a tire iron <laughs> so I'm like, of all things, to like start whacking him in the head. So he gets him like three really good whacks, sure. and then Bats is coming. He's on the scene, um, and immediately Batman sees what's happening. He starts having flashbacks of what happened to Robin. Yeah, of course, makes perfect sense. So finally, I don't know how Dick has taken it. He's been hit in the head like five times by this thing. He'd be concussed. He kicks out, grabs the guy. Uh, pushes him and throws him down and he starts reading through the ledger. He's like, all this over this stupid book. And then you get something straight out of Vertigo. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. Okay. So you know the scene where um, the nun pops up and it freaks out the one lady so bad she like dives off the side of the tower? That's basically what happened. Uh, it's funny because I've only seen the movie once and it was a long time ago, but yes, I remember that. Yeah. So Batman does the same thing. He pops up like the nun. <laughs> Your gangster freaks out, has the ledger in hand, and goes, ah, goes over the side, just like in Vertigo. Dick and uh, Bruce are watching, and that's it. That's the end of the story. Uh, Zuko's ledger is never going to get into the hands of the criminals. It's never going to get into the hands of those who could do good with it. And it just ends with Dick at the graveside of his parents and saying, hi, guys, I haven't talked to you in a while. So that was uh, the end issue of year three. I, I, this is so great revisiting this stuff because you don't realize how much of this stuff that became really important in the Batman mythos was like, man, just slapped together. What, like in 86 through 90, all that stuff was happening in like a three, four year time frame. Yeah. And it's also, it has become so important to what the, how we define Batman pretty much ever since. That's amazing when you think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he had like, what, a 40 plus year run. And then the stuff that's really stuck has probably been that other than the initial, you know, creation of Batman. 
the yeah. stuff that just really stuck in the mythos is the uh, uh, Denny O'Neill, um, Neil Adams, Raja Ghoul stuff, and then this Frank Miller up through probably yeah, you know stuff. the Bane stuff and it, the post crisis stuff, and that's and that is really the the font of uh, uh, where we got Batman from, and pretty much have been pulling from ever since. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're looking at these and, and cause I'm, I'm kind of looking at the covers as, as you're talking about them. I'm like, man, I haven't read any of this stuff in so long. Oh, it's I've, great stuff. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's making me want to, want to reread it. That was, oh, that's, a, that's one of my great sadnesses. And I think you know this about me. Uh, it's, um, there's so many of these books that were coming out in showcases and essentials and they never quite make it to where I wanted to make it, where they wanted it to get to. It's like, uh, um, Thor cut off before they hit, right before they hit Simonson, right? Yeah. And, um, uh, Iron Man cuts off before they, they hit the Denny O'Neill stuff. And why do they uh, do that? I don't know. And they just quit making them. And luckily that stuff's coming out in Epic, but like I always like to say with Epic, um, they're missing, missing, you know, about, seven to eight issues and they cost twice as much. And sometimes even more than that. Cause some of oh, them I think sure. are like $45 yeah. for really crap. And that's the thing, you know what? They're not on great paper either. Those no, uh, Marvel not. trades are on really crappy thin paper. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just really, and being colorblind, I, I, I always say like, with the exception to green lantern, I never notice it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'll be reading a green lantern and I'll be like, Oh, that's yellow. I was like, Oh yeah, I can't really tell because it's in black and white but you know uh, are you uh, are you very colorblind like i don't know if there's i am one of those that they claim if i got those special glasses it would fix mm, so right. i'm not like you know fido colorblind but uh, uh i do have a lot of, like i do have a lot of problems discerning stuff if it's similar shades i just wonder because um when we uh, first took the kids to you know, optometrist for because I got my glasses. I was in third grade. Stacy had her glasses when she was in first grade. Right. Um. You know, we we took them in, and you know, they they did those um things where it's like that circle that has a bunch of like different Dots. colors, and there's a mm-hmm. number in, in, yeah. inside. And Zach had no idea what the doctor was talking about. Like he couldn't see him. But other than that, like he points out like especially when he was little and like you know you ask him colors he point out the colors right but he just can't see the different differences in those um right tests i i don't know yeah i i I remember taking one of those tests uh at the i was on the desk one day and they were like oh just let's do one and i'm doing it and i'm like okay that's a three that's a two I don't know what that is. And they're like, are you kidding me? I'm like, no, I can't tell what that is. I was like, I can't see anything. And then there'll be one where I can just kind of make it out. Yeah. So I wouldn't be super confident. I was like, I think that's an eight, (laughs) you know, kind of one of those situations. But yeah, um, the last test I took, they claimed, yeah, if I, if I buy, you know, whatever that special lens was that it's fixable. But yeah, the first time I think we knew for me, and that's interesting. How how old were they when you said you found that out? I mean, there was 
it's like there were like five or six. Okay. So I, 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 they were young enough that I wasn't convinced that Zach just didn't understand what he was, what he was looking at. But, sure, but the sure. next year they did it again. And he's still uh, Allie's pointing out the colors or the numbers, and he had no right. idea what, what what. So I mean, sure enough, he is. But gotcha. yeah, he was. It was pretty young. Yeah, like maybe five. So I the way they found mine out um, is uh, sixth grade. We were doing geographic maps, and it was one of those you tell the elevation by the greens and browns. Mm-hmm. And oh. I, I, I'm a nerd. Probably no shock. I was pretty good student, you know, and I always liked history and social studies, so I could not do it. And they 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 thought you know something's obviously up. And that's how they did. They did the test, and I, I, I could, I had, I think it was a, a type of red green color blind. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's the most com- most common for for men, right? Yeah. Red, green. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just one of those when it was the gradations get too close, I can't tell what I'm looking at. Yep. Yeah. yeah makes sense. So. But anyway, yeah, the the Batman thing's been fun, and uh, there's like I say, there's just a ton of it, and it's, I mean. When did when did Bane happen? That was in less than ten years. That was that, that was just prior. Yeah, that was just prior to issue five hundred, wasn't it? Yeah. So four four ninety something, I think. Pretty much everything they've been doing is from that that ten year era for the most part. With like I said, with the exception of Raj and uh, I don't know. What's your favorite Batman story? Just out of curiosity. Oh, my fa- favorite Batman story. Um. Man, there's just so many different stories. You put me on the spot. Oh, well, um, that was the point. <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to think about it. Oh, that's fine. I I, I always, if I ask that kind of question, it's because I've got an answer in my head. If I think, I always like um, the one um, where the I think it's called Night of the Grim Reaper. And this one of the earliest ones I ever read. I had a Batman Family Digest. It was probably the first mm. Batman comic I ever owned, mm-hmm. and it had the had that story in it. And it's a it's a Denny and Neil joint, and uh, it's the one where they have the parade where it's got the Marvel and DC characters oh, on yeah, the front. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And and uh, the guy is killing um, basically people who were Nazis who had gone into hiding, mm-hmm. and uh, he ends up dying as well. Spoiler. But, you know, I mean, that's just from the 70s. I feel okay spoiling something that's, from, oh, my God, it's 50 years old. Jeez. Um, <laughs> that's one of those things. I can tell you, the first time you can say that was 20 years ago and you go, holy crap, that's when you realize, man, I'm getting old. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can <laughs> drop that. 10 years ago, whoop de doo But when you, the first time you say that was 20, 25 years ago and it feels like yesterday, that's when you go, oh, jeez. Me and my wife were just talking about that yesterday. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones. That's a really good one. And I remember thinking, like, how in the heck did they get Thor in this book? (laughs) I know, right? Yeah. I'm not going to say that this is my favorite, but one of the things that comes to mind, and I know that it's a huge thing, is is nostalgia. Sure. But that whole – and I don't know if you read it, but it was – it would have been the – God, yeah, it was before Crisis – so it had to be like the early 80s to maybe 85. Um, it was the whole thing with um, Noctura was first appeared. Uh, it was Noctura and the Night Stalker, and uh, she 
actually wanted um, to adopt um, Jason Todd away from from Bruce Wayne and stuff like that. I, and and a hundred percent, I'm not saying that it's the best story, and and I'm not even going to say it's my favorite story. It's just one that just popped into my head. Oh sure. But I absolutely love that whole. I, I think that was probably because it was one of those that I was starting to get old enough that I was appreciating an interweaving story rather than right. like earlier, like you'd have to, just a one-off. Okay. He's fighting Mr. Freeze this time. And then right. the next issue he's got, it's a two-parter, but he's fighting Two-Face. And then, and, and I wasn't old enough to really appreciate the subplots that, that might've been going on to attach from, from issue to issue. And by this time, looks like it was around 84, 85. So you know, I was like 13. And Was that in Detective? It, it crossed back and forth. Okay, I was going to say I think I have read some of that because I remember a detective issue with. Yeah, that. you get you you'd have to back in that and during that time you you had to yeah. read both because it was one long story. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think nostalgia is important because um, yeah, I mean I'm sure if I read that Grim Reaper one, you know, after I'd read a hundred issues of Batman, I would have thought, hey, this is a great story, but I don't know that it'd be my favorite. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, I mean it, it's. You're right. A lot of it is the function of how when an idea or a type of a story was first introduced to you, because that's when it was new. Right. You know, and then you, you might see something like you said years later. That's that's fantastic. But it's a story type that you've seen 20 times before. Right. So it's not, you know, it's not anything special to you anymore. But yeah. All right. I guess uh, I'll go to my next one. OK. All right. I've got. um Zatanna, number one from 2010. She had a little bit of a run of a series. Um, Paul Dini? In, yep, Paul Dini, yep. I have that in trade. I've never read it. I'm excited to hear what you say. I, 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 it's, a, it's a small uh, series. Uh, goes 16 issues. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. I, I, I thought it was great at the time. Uh, I reread number one here, and it was, it was already a good start. Um so yeah, I definitely recommend uh, trying it out. Sweet. Um, so yeah, Paul Dini and I'm not sh- sure how to pronounce the artist's name. Stefan, maybe Stefan Rao. Okay. I'll say it's R O U X. Rue? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but the opening page, you've got um, Zatanna uh, chained up and 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 to a to a board and. You see Dr. Light and Joker, um, they have this big, huge, like, uh, drill that they're obviously going to um, drill her through the back uh, and kill her. Um, and, then that, and then when you turn the page, you see that the drill now has gone through the board. However, she has disappeared and popped up. And now it's quite – and she has the, the ropes that she had been tied with um, wrapping themselves around Dr. Light and Joker – and it's to thunderous applause. This is part of her act, um, and she's at a in a theater. So uh, <clears throat> now she's backstage, and she starts uh, just giving different tips and directions to the actors playing Doctor Light and Joker uh, about you know maybe what they can try <clears throat> differently next time around. So she's just performing as a stage uh, magician. Um, she's uh, about to uh, get changed when she's interrupted by uh, a detective. And um, he was looking for he's heard that she's just not all uh, tricks, but, you know, that she seems to have 
some actual powers because, uh, she, you know, he, she does more than just uh, work on stage, that she's basically the magician on call with the Justice League. And they have a case that they would like her to um, come take a look at. So <clears throat> he drives uh, them out uh, to the scene of the crime and uh, they go into um, a, a restaurant and there's everything from just an exposed spinal column to a man that has been um, checking the beanstalk. Yes. Yeah. How do you, <laughs> are you looking at that? Yeah, I got it pulled up on the app. Thank you. That's the perfect way to say it, Jack and the Beanstalk. And then you yeah. see a large frog. Yeah, that's um, wearing um, wearing some sort of nightgown. Yeah, or I mean, not a <laughs> something. Nightgown, yeah, a, a nice outfit. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so he. Uh, that spine, by the way, is one of the most disgusting images it, they could have come up with to show that. That is really gory is, and gross. Oh, my God. It's like upright, out of yeah. the body. Yes. <laughs> so they say, do you recognize this one one guy? And he's uh, she's, she recognizes him from pictures. He's a, a drug kingpin in, in San Francisco, and that's where they are. Um, they end up finding that there's a waiter that uh, kind of hid underneath the table, and he's still alive. Um, so he speaks Spanish. Um, they uh, take a statement from him, um, and he's he's just he can't really almost uh, describe what what has happened. So um, Zatanna uses her magic to kind of um, review his his memories with his permission. And uh, they see the the mob boss come in with a with an entourage and a couple gals on each arm, and uh, they they're all sitting down, and and then this portal opens up and. Uh, this creepy guy comes out, and his name is uh, Brother Knight. Um, apparently, he uh, is also a trafficker, but on the kind of on the magic magic side, the underworld, not not the actual mortal world. But <clears throat> the waiter saw him pop in, as well as um, three others that are working with him. One is in this like cloak and, and like a, a theater mask. Uh, the other is this um, woman who they say is an unborn dragon gestating in the form of a human woman and Teddy who looks just like a little, just a little boy. Um, so you see that the one with the cloak and the, and that theater mask basically can transform the mask into different faces and, and by touching somebody can turn them into the same thing. So you see the face turn into a frog face and touches that woman and the woman turns into this big toad. Um, and one by one, they kill uh, everyone through different means, uh, uh, setting them on a fire. Teddy has this weird, creepy box that he apparently keeps bugs in. And he opens the, the box, and all of these bugs just, like, fly onto these two, uh, two mob guys and uh, totally kind of, like, eat them from the inside out. It's pretty gross. Um, so anyhow, uh, now Zatanna knows what she's dealing with. And uh, she basically tells the detective, listen, there's not really anything that you or the police um, can do with this. Um, we're going to, uh, you know, I, you're going to you're going to need me to to actually go and um, go to the the other side, so to speak, and and figure out what's going on. And so that's exactly what she does. Um, she ends up going into um, Brother Knight's. Uh, Den, this creepy, like S and M 
underworld where he's just sitting and relaxing and um she's a, she uh she shows up and immediately some of his entourage starts attacking like that woman and uh she freezes her uh right away and this other one that wasn't part of the group <clears throat> tries to stab her but she knows she's coming and uh, she's very very um you know not one to be trifled with here you can tell that Satana knows what she's doing Teddy wants to show her uh, his bugs and manages he she manages to turn him around so by the time he opens it up it actually uh, uh the bugs attack one of the patrons of this this nightclub in, in, instead that so badass uh, grasshopper huh yeah, it's a badass <laughs> opera, is right? Um, so uh, she and uh, Brother Knight start talking, and it's exactly what she feared. Um, he's run the Mystic Underworld in San Francisco um, for forty years, and now he's going to take the mortal half. And um, he's like, you know, there's nobody that can stop me. Certainly, certainly not you. Um, but uh, you know, she almost tries to knows that she's not going to fall for it, but kind of, um, you know, makes a, a plea for her to like, you know, just leave him alone or to, to join him. And, you know, of course uh, she wants uh, nothing to do with that. So, um, she basically warns him like, listen, you step foot in the human world again. And, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, uh, end you. And, uh, she says, she says goodbye. Um, and uh, with an explosion, uh, after she leaves at the nightclub to kind of throw everyone flying, and she comes back and she calls the detective and says, you know, says what what she learned, and um, uh, she said I warned him, but you know, he he he's not gonna, he doesn't scare easily, and we'll we'll see what his next move is, but you know, I'm on the case. So uh, <clears throat> brother Knight is like, okay, you know. Obviously, we're have more problems than than I wanted, but we're going to have to deal with this. And um, he he says he's going to take a nap, and he lies down, closes his eyes, and his his spirit goes to another realm. Um, and uh, apparently, this creature that he's going to talk to is much more powerful than him because it immediately threats him, uh, threatens him um, that he's not going to sleep for a thousand years. And he, you know, he says, "Forgive me." They call it great fusilli, so I don't know who this it's like it looks like a goblin or a gremlin or something right. like that. Um and he said, you know, I saw only saw an opportunity for us to strike a common enemy and and he uh, he's not buying it. He's like there's no one worth leaving my nightmares from uh you know for and and Brother Knight says, How about Zatanna? and he says, I'm listening. So he's definitely seems to be a st- uh, rung above Brother Knight in terms of power. Um, uh, he, he reminded me of those, those three, um, demons. I forget their name, but there's three demons that work together and fight, just, fight the Justice League. League. Yeah. 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 Um, but I don't think that that's who it is. I, I think it might be someone else, but, um, so that was the start of the, of the first issue. So I kind of set up, okay, she's in San Francisco. She's, you know, doing this. It seems like she's going to be working with the, you know, San Francisco police and stuff like that and sets up the brother Knight as the antagonist for the story. And, yeah, I mean, I remember, don't remember a lot about the um, future issues, but I remembered liking the the series. That's why I decided to reread it today. Sure. And um, and yeah, it's uh, it's it, it definitely you know if you've got that all together, I I definitely would 
would recommend it. I, I thought it was really well done at the time. Um, the one question I have is how do you going into this before you read this, how do you feel about reading Zatanna? Do you, uh, do you get intimidated at all? Uh, like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to do a lot of backwards reading or does that even, I, I, I hate doing the backwards reading. Okay. I hate it, but, yeah, me too. <laughs> this, but this story was, was, uh, it was just, uh, I was, I liked, you know, uh, Paul Dini, uh, you know, I like Paul Dini when it first mm-hmm. came out, I like Paul Dini, Dini. I didn't know the artist, but the cover, I mean, it looked fantastic. And, um, I remember just, you know, picking it up at the, <clears throat> at the comic shop and, right. and like, oh yeah, I'm just going to try this out. And it was, it was, um, definitely, uh, uh, good enough story and stuff that, you know, I could get past having to read everything backwards. Right. Because <laughs> for whatever reason, I'm not the fastest at uh, at deciphering what some of them. <laughs> oh, of, sure. Yeah, so. I was just looking at the one panel right now where it says uh, she's doing sleep backwards, and it said peels. And, of course, my brain's just reading it as peels. Peels, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that's She's saying sleep. And I think that's why I put that one off for such a long time. Kristen got me that one. I mean, I was in the old house. So that would, It's probably been five, six years I've had this trade. And, yeah, I just have that in the back of my head, kind of like with the demon and his rhyming. <laughs> I hate like, that, too. Me and you like, are very similar with a lot of stuff I'm noticing. <laughs> I know. I'm just like, I, And I, I always put that off. And I think I've – I don't know if I've said this to you guys or – before or not, I'm always a person that if I have a choice, with the exception of something like a manga, which I can read in half an hour, 45 minutes, I'm almost always going to grab an issue over a paperback or a hardcover because I feel like I'm staying on top of stuff when I'm reading issues. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm like, I don't feel the pressure of stuff on the bookcase. Oh, okay. And you no, know you haven't said that, but and, yeah, I, I get and that. And what has happened to me is I have a room full of things that I could read. If I ever get in a situation where you mentioned where you feel like, oh, I don't have anything to read, I could never say that and be honest because I've got probably an entire wall of unread trades. <laughs> because, yeah, I'll, like I collect the essentials and showcases and I've only read maybe a tenth of them. Yeah. And I've got probably, I've got well over half of both by now. Um, in fact, I think on the essentials, I'm pretty deep into having the bulk of them. So, oh. well, it, I think they had a bigger print run for the most part mm-hmm. than the showcases and they got reprinted more often. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So like I'll have weirdo, like I'll have like uh, a random Thor missing and I don't have some of the later X-Men's because they were lower print runs on those. But with the exception of like Conan or something, I have almost all the really early stuff. Uh, and Conan's just because, you know, uh, Conan, they lost the rights to, it never got reprinted, so that one I just haven't tracked down yet. Right. Or you have something like the Marvel Universes where I don't really want them bad enough, where I'll run across them and I'll be like, eh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I want that, I'd, I'd rather, honestly, at this point, have this, if I either want the single issues for nostalgia or I just get a DK book. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, Oh, I have so many, like, ever since, uh, this is all because of, uh, totally 100% Mike. This is all his fault. <laughs> um, like, I started just, like, going crazy with, like, 
if there was something that I really liked or something mm-hmm. I wanted. Either I, I really liked and I wanted to have a collection of or something that I never read it, and now I want to read it as a collection and stuff like that. And right. I, I have piles and piles and piles. I, I don't – it's not like Mike where he has a whole room that you can't open the door anymore. Right. But, you know, I have a – right now I got a closet with with about four or five decent-sized stacks and the rest all downstairs in the basement of just I, – I literally could just stop buying um, collections at this point, and it would take me years to, to read everything that I have. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I've been I, trying to pull back on that as well. The only thing I have found myself double-dipping on, and it's just because I love them so much, is I will buy the singles of the deceased, but because I've been buying the hardcovers, I keep buying the hardcovers even though I already have them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, oh my god, I am a Superman person, as I think you know. Mm-hmm. And Tom Taylor writes Superman better than anybody writing Superman right now. Yeah. And I, I just, I love the deceased Superman so much that like I'm like, how, I'd buy those dang things like four times <laughs> to like keep them going. And I'm so glad there's a new series. I'm like, because I thought they really wrapped it up the last go around, but luckily they didn't. Yeah, I thought that that was going to be it as well. But yeah, I, I started I started reading the new one as well. That's have good, have you been reading stuff. the Van Linty um die Namite ones? No, I have not. They are silly, but they're pretty fun. Yeah. 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 That's one of those like, oh God, how is this gonna work? And then Van Linty he's very hand wavy. That's the one thing I always hated with dynamite crossovers is they're like they have to come up with some way feasibly for Red Sonya to be on the same plane of existence as Vampirella is on the same plane of existence as Ash is the same plane of existence of John Carter and <laughs> just the the methods of getting them together gets to be like, ugh, eye rolling. I don't care about magic portals and yada yada yada. <laughs> Van Linty didn't fool with that. He just throw he throws them in and they're in you're rolling. And I and I think that's the the best way if you're going to cross over characters that basically would have no business together. That's the way you got to do it. Yeah. Don't don't worry about it. Just. Uh, uh, roll the yeah. Balls where it hits. Hundred percent. Yes, you're absolutely Cause, right. Because otherwise, yeah. John Carter would never meet Vampirella, would never meet Tarzan, would never meet whoever else is around. Peter Cannon, Thunderbolt would never meet Captain Future. Right. Because it doesn't work. No, you're you're right. I mean, just run with it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see. We can probably get in a couple more, you think? Yeah, I think so. All right. I'll do uh, Jonah Hex number 18 because uh, if I don't do a Western, Kirk will never forgive me, and this will be a – a throwback to the olden days when we were doing uh, the DC everything else. <laughs> so this is from the Palmiati Gray one. Um, this is issue number 18 from June 07. Oh. And I never know what the title. Oh, I guess it's called I Walk Alone. Because <laughs> they used to. Have, I don't know if you remember this, but they would have like the big captions throughout. It almost looks like a title. Yeah, but but it'll pop up periodically. So he's at a campfire, and then you see the title: "A Bad Location for Peace and Quiet." A woman comes busting out of the woods. She's like, "You got to help me." He's like, "Go away," because you know that's Joni. He wants to be left alone. And then a whole posse rolls up, and they're uh, trying to get the woman back. He says, uh, "Mister, sorry about bothering you. Give me that woman." He's like, "It ain't my woman," you know. He's like, "Dude, I'm just sitting here trying to eat." And they're like, "Well, give her back to us, and everything will be okay." And he's like. Take her. I don't want her. 
And, <laughs> you know, they're like, give her to us. And it just goes on for a couple of pages. And he's like, I have nothing to do with this woman. I don't care anything about her. You take her and go away. And she's like, how can you do this to me? And anyway, he says, take her, shoves her at him, and they roll off with her. And she's crying, please, and reaching out to him as they have her, you know, thrown across the saddle. And he looks back because he was waiting for his meat to cook. And he goes, son of a, because it was all burnt to a crisp while this <laughs> was going on. So he doesn't have anything to eat now. So he's all pissed <laughs> off. And right as he's saying, bitch, on the next page, a bear comes out of the woods. And, and this is a huge monster of a grizzly. Two shots right through its eyes. And he goes, damn fool animal. <laughs> and so then you see him. He's got the bear head sitting next to him with its eyes missing. And he says, you ain't such a bad fella after sitting on fire for a spell. Chewy <laughs> is all. And so he, I love Jonas just sitting there chewing on the bear, talking to the dead bear. <laughs> and then he decides to play a harmonica for him for a little while. Then who should we see coming out of the woods is the lady from earlier. Oh, Jesus. Woman, you're like a flea on a dog's ass. I don't appreciate you stumbling back into my camp. How's it going to look with they come finding you here again? And she says that that's not her husband. And he says, well, tell me something I didn't know. So he gets her on the saddle and they're riding off. And she's telling him that, you know, these are bad people. That um they had taken over the place where she lives and that they are eating humans. And he's like, what? That's not cool. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she pulls a knife out and she's about to stab him. He's like, you little skunk. And he and he's like, no, no, don't turn me over to him. They're going to kill my little sister. And he throws her to the ground. And these guys are shooting at him because he, they think that he came and stole her. Right. Yeah. So he turns around. He shoots them. And this is Hex. He takes them all out except for uh, the main guy. He's the only one left standing. Jonah's killed everybody else. She's stumbling along with the knife that she was going to stab Jonah with. And uh he confronts the guy. He says, this girl says you're holding her younger sister. She claims you're a cannibal. Oh, my God. She lies all the time. She's my wife. So help me. And the lady's like, you're a liar. Liar, liar, liar. And she, like, stabs him to death. So then he bites her. And you're like, oh, my gosh, maybe he is a cannibal. And then he he keeps fighting with her. She stabs him. He stabs her. She kills over. They're all dead. And... <laughs> <laughs> she, she asked Jonah to go uh, rescue the the sister from the cannibals, and um, he pulls a he pulls a locket off her chest, opens it, and he sees the, the little girl. He and he starts talking to God, and he says, "You got some nerve to ask for favors? Now you're gonna piss on me?" And he's saying that because it starts raining. <laughs> and I, the first time I read it, I thought he was talking to her. But no, he and it comes clear later on, and he, he's literally talking to God multiple times in the book. <laughs> so he he rolls into their farm, and then it says the cold hard facts. And he opens the smokehouse, and you see a body that looks like it has been cannibalized. Its ribs are showing, its teeth are showing, and there's like strips of meat hanging on the uh, smokehouse hooks or whatever you call those things. So he goes into the ranch house, kicks it open. And he says, you people are sick feeding this to youngins. Where are the rest of your men? And he, like, dumps over the stew because I'm sure he thinks there's human in it. And the lady's like, please, mister, the children. And basically the gist of it is 
he tells them like, okay, your sister's dead. All the men that were following her are dead. And, uh, I came here to stop the, these cannibals from happening. And where's the little girl? And what we find out from the woman is these men were off after a mentally ill woman. The person who was in the cabin was dead. She had killed her husband and filleted him somehow, then run off and told all these stories. So basically, under misinformation, thinking he was helping a situation, he has killed off all the men in in their settlement. And um, now they have nothing. And... He he basically just kind of apologizes, and the one woman is about to shoot him, and the young sister says, you know how delusional Delilah was? He had no way of knowing, so he's back out in the rain. These people are devastated because all of their menfolk are gone, and he takes the, mo- the money that he has, throws it down, and says, I can hear you laughing, but preachers say you created all of us in your image. <laughs> and he just rides off laughing. So, I mean, it was pretty dark. I mean, some of these <laughs> did get pretty dark, but this one's really dark because this woman who had killed her husband and they go to chase her down, he kills all of them and he buys into what she had said. And, you know, and he's having this ongoing conversation with God, just like if if we're created in your image, what does that say about us? And uh, I mean, what does that say about you? So, yeah. It was a good, good one-off, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty bleak and dark. <laughs> well, that whole series was a, was a, was a good series. Uh, oh, I'm, one of my I'm sad it, that it had a, you know, that it ended when it, you know, with, uh, with, uh, what do you call it? New 52. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was good, good stuff. The, the, the thing with 52, I think that we forget. Is I think sales probably weren't great going into the new Fifty Two. Um, I'm sure not. But man, there was series that died because of that. I'm still mad about. Like I loved Gotham City Sirens. I loved uh, Jonah Hex. I loved what they were doing over at Detective. I don't think Detective has ever quite recovered. Um, I hadn't read the new Rom V, but. Uh, I think Batman's where it's at now, and I think Detective used to be just as good or almost better many times in its history, and I don't know that it's been that way for a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah you're right. I don't – yeah. I, I mean, you're right. It's like they, they don't make those decisions in a vacuum. Obviously, no. they wanted to gen- – they they felt like they needed to generate excitement and, right. you know, get their, their – I, I mean, honestly, I, I do remember – um, vaguely, because I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to, to sales, but I do remember, you know, that w- when New 52 started, it's like there was a lot of reports, oh, you know, like DC's actually, you know, on the top, you know, beating out Marvel for the first time in, you know, whatever number right. of years it was. So, you know, it, it was something that they were they were trying to do, but, you know, it, it's... it's uh, there's something out there for everyone that just yeah. wasn't that just wasn't my favorite thing. Yeah, Secret Six that was another one. I really liked that. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. Shadow Pact that was a fun one. <laughs> Shadow Pact. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, there was a lot of good stuff. I think New Fifty Two did kill off. Um, there was a there was several of the New Fifty Twos that jumped in that I really liked that just didn't stick. Uh, All Star yep. Western didn't All-Star stick Western. around. Um, 
Demon Knights, I really liked it. Didn't make it. Uh, our our pal uh, Mike's favorite was really good. OMAC didn't make it. No, I mean, you can't. And that's the thing is that you can't say, you know, I mean, say what you want. But, like, they tried 52, yeah. 52 monthly series. Right. And they tried to have a mix of different genres. They literally had, I think, everything except uh, a funny book and a romance book. Yep. Like, they literally tried to do, like, in the 70s where all genres were covered. Mm-hmm. And, and, just... and you know, like I, I mentioned, I think might have been the last podcast, is, like, I made the decision to <clears throat> try a lot of the more off-the-wall stuff because that's kind of what I wanted to, to get into, mm-hmm. whether it was All-Star Western or what was the – I forget which what the war one – I mean, there's a couple of them, but – I think it was Men of War, wasn't it? Men of War, there's yeah. Blackhawks, yeah, yeah. and uh, Blackhawks was like a G.I. Joe book almost. It was. And mm-hmm. then there was um, like a Frankenstein Agent of Shade. There was, <gasps> I liked that one a lot too. That one was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, and then, of course – they had Swamp Thing. Like, I got a lot of those. And Animal so, Man was needless good. to say, a year and a half into New 52, I there wasn't a lot of books that I was still getting because right. most of them had, had ended. You know, they, they canceled a lot of them at 8 or 16 issues. Yeah. So, I don't remember how many Animal Man ran. Um, Animal I, Man was great, too. That one, I think, ran a little bit. I think that was more like a... The uh, Swamp Thing, I think it ran ran a little little bit longer than some of the other ones did, but um. I think that's the only thing they did that kind of derailed some of their momentum. I thought the whole point was to make it easier, and then they started, um, let's say their horror genre titles. They did a lot of like these long crossovers, like the yeah. whole red and green thing they did with Animal Man and Swamp Thing. And Swamp Thing, yeah. And I don't think that benefited them. I think that actually derailed some of the good work they'd put in because then what happened is you, they were very much on this trade schedule. And then you would have these trades come out where it would only be half the story because it would be just the Animal Man stuff. And But you would tell in the other story. And this is from a library point of view that I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. You, you would have the, the Animal Man one. But then the other half of the story is in the Swamp Thing. And that just that doesn't make good for good reading. Um, and it also is annoying for collectors who are, and readers who are not doing the series. All of a sudden, you're it's not like a you know a crisis where there's a hundred side stories, but you can still read the main book and get the story. Right. You literally need to start picking up another series that month to get the story. Yeah. And, and then when they yeah. collected them, they didn't collect the the red storyline, or actually, I think it was called the rot. Yeah, you know, yeah, they didn't yeah. collect it as the rot. It was collected as a volume of Swamp Thing and a volume of Animal Man. If you were reading, you would have to read and read this volume, set it down, read the volume, set it down, read the volume, and that's frustrating. That's not a good way oh, to, for sure. to do a book. So no, and and I, you know, I, I'll just speak for myself. I don't know what you think, but like with Men of War, I, don't I didn't know. want I, superheroes in it. Is what no, I, I didn't want superheroes, and and honestly, I I know it's. You know, we're <laughs> in the 2010s at this point, but like, I want to see Sergeant Rock. I wanted to see, oh, sure, sure. Like, I wanted to see these these characters that like I haven't seen in print in a long time. And yes, I, I guess uh, you know, I get it. Like, World War II was you know 80 years ago, but it's uh, I, I I don't know. I, like, I wasn't as interested seeing them modern like, warfare, Afghanistan and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it just wasn't as 
compelling to me. Well, I would say if they had done it more anthology style, which I don't think they thought would sell, is yeah. why I'm assuming they didn't do it. But if they were going to, if they had to do that, I would have rather they done like what they did with Intel. All-Star, yeah. where you would have the Jonah Hex front story and the Tomahawk or Cinnamon back matter. Yep. And if they would have done it just to thrown us a bone, because I know, I know they're trying to reach new readers and they did, but you also need to at least satiate us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Right. You could have, if you, you want to tell an ongoing the story, you could do that. Then yeah. And then you could do one-offs yep. of, with backups, like you said, with, okay, here's a, here's a Vietnam story. Right. Here's a World War II story. Here's a you know Iraq Iraq War story. Yeah. Uh, you, you could do something different in, in everyone, but I mean, well, <laughs> would it have sold any better than it did? I don't know. I, I don't have any idea. Probably not. Honestly, you know. Yeah. I mean, the big two, they at this point, you know, they they're not they don't really publish genre stories all that much. You know, whether they're westerns. Um, wars war comics or whatever it's just doesn't i'm, I'm excited to see how this uh uh horror war book coming out <laughs> gonna rock one? yeah i'm excited yeah. to see what they do with it that's um, gonna be very interesting i hope it does well because it, Me too. It, and and this it's one of those i think um as a as a fan of the westerns and war books i'm gonna buy it regardless me too oh yeah it's already on my i want to see more of that character mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah, and if it does, if it does reasonably well for for them, then they'll they'll do some more of that type of stuff. So, because we, I don't know if we've had a regular war book from the big two that lasted any length since mm-hmm. the Nam, have we? I don't think so. Right. Not that I, I mean, think off the top of my head. I mean, GI Joe and the Nam, if you count GI Joe, and the Nam were the last time I think there was a a long running title for one of the big twos. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of crazy when you when you think about that, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll cover. I got one more to cover. Cool. And it uh, just I don't know what made me in the mood for it, but it, you know, definitely the cover always always stays in my mind. Um, I couldn't remember exactly what this what was going on in the story at, uh, when I picked it, but um, it's Uncanny X Men two fifty one. Um, the cover is just like a purple co- cover with um, Wolverine, um, uh, like kind of nailed to a big X, in you know, uh, just out of nowhere. Yes, the Sylvester one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I want to say that was originally. Uh, it was a, it was a homage to a maybe a savage sort of Conan. No, oh, it could have been. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, I'll look it up while you're talking. Go ahead. Um, a good issue. Uh, Allie's just here showing me her tooth. Sure. I've been waiting for my kids to bust in this whole time because uh, mom's uh, out doing stuff today, so I keep waiting for one of them to come in and want to talk to me, and it hasn't happened yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, my, this is my first one. Um, yeah, so I knew that this was um, it was during the Australia area era, and I, I remembered how he got on that on that tied up on that or actually nailed onto that X. Um, but I wanted to kind of revisit this issue. It really makes me want to, again, read um, <laughs> a lot of these X-Men books again. 
Um, so this one is, of course, Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri, as you said, is the artist. Dan Green was the inker. And it says it's Fever Dream starring the last of the Uncanny X-Men. And it's a close-up of Wolverine, just his bloody um, face, bloody nose. He's got sweat just dripping from his from his forehead down. And then on the next page, you see from farther away, he's chained to um, to again this giant wooden axe out out in the in the outback of Australia with his son just very prominently in the picture, just roasting him. Um, and as an aside, I absolutely love this time frame where um, Claremont was was writing the X Men and writing Wolverine in particular. Um, it, as I was reading this story, it, it occurred to me that if if this was written today, um, Wolverine would be stuck on that X for uh, about a panel and a half because he would just immediately bust out. Right. Um, there's no stopping Wolverine at all for anything now. Um, you can literally disintegrate him and he, and he comes back to life. Um, I liked it where he has a great healing factor, but he's still a mortal person and he can be hurt. He can potentially be killed. You know, cut off his head. You do different. Th- you know, you you could kill him. He he's he's vulnerable, and he can be in danger. Where I, I, there's nothing like in, in since I would say past twenty years or more. No, there, he can be down to like a skeleton yeah. now, and he'll come and, right and back. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and I don't like that. I mean, it's I I don't know why we've gone in that direction. I, I don't know what's compelling about that. It's obviously stuff that people want in general, but. I liked it when, you know, I mean, he, these characters could actually be in danger and yeah, he's Wolverine. Okay. So even, even at this point, which was like 89, you knew he wasn't going to die, but he still was in, in bad shape. You know what I mean? And, and nothing more than being chained up to a, to, to a, you know, wooden cross, so to speak, and out and out back and suffering from the, from the elements. It's, I don't know. I, that's just my own uh, personal feeling, but so anyway, well, I've got very mixed emotions with the whole X Men. Like, if you can just be brought back now over and over again, what's where's the drama? Yeah, because yeah. that's that's where they're at now. You can kill any of them, and they can. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's not just Wolverine anymore. Yeah, <laughs> poor Quentin's been killed like five hundred <laughs> times now. Exactly. Which actually is kind of funny. He's become the Kenny of the X Men. Like I like I like the idea as uh, an experiment or like kind of a storytelling element to try out with with Hickman right. like telling a story, but now that he's he's left the X Men at least for now I don't know if he'll ever be coming back but right. like this can't be just a long term permanent thing I it, hope I hope not. Right. It, you know yeah. it was I thought it was it's interesting it's like okay well what what does this mean for a lot of uh, you know, for for the X Men, and what does it mean for society and stuff like? I mean, you could do a lot of interesting stories with that, but not as a long term status quo. Uh, right. and, and I don't, I don't think that he meant it to be like that. But I don't know. You know, Marvel in general. You know, obviously they'll keep publishing what sells, so we'll we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Um, but anyhow, back to this story. Uh, somebody grabs him by by the 
top of the, the hair and pulls his face up and wishes him a good morning. And it's Donald Pierce. Um, Donald Pierce used to be the white king for the Hellfire Club. Um, he ended up being kicked out, and he is part um, cyborg now. Um, and he uh, and he hates um, he has this major hate for uh, mutants. So you learn that he has put um, Wolverine on this, and uh, he has a team um, that is uh, that that works with him. Uh, and they're all like cyborgs. So there's these three, which which kind of cool. Cole Reese and, and Macon are all. Um, they were all part of. They were all like Hellfire Club, like basically soldiers. And um, back in the early early issues with Burn and Claremont, um, uh, Wolverine was actually uh, sneaking into the Hellfire Club through the sewers. And he encountered a um, bunch of these soldiers for the Hellfire Club, and he, he like, chopped them, uh, you know, as he's going through, kind of, you know, used his claws and willingly and just chopped them up and kept going. And and these are three, the three survivors that are all, like, part cyborg now, thanks to Wolverine, and absolutely, you know, hate him. Um, So it's kind of cool that they kind of, like, you know, uh, brought them back as a a different thing. Um, But anyhow, there's there's, uh, some other ones that were... um, part of his uh Pierce's original Reavers group that are still alive and Lady Deathstrike. Um she also is part cyborg um voluntarily. Um nothing happened to her. She chose to um to give away her humanity for these um powers. Um so anyhow, uh they're going to make his Wolverine's life very, very miserable. Um they want to know where the rest of the X Men are and um and uh you know of course he's 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 not he's not saying um but you know they're they're basically saying well we're going to keep torturing you every day and if they come back we're going to take care of them uh too so uh hang on one second what's what's going on how long for what to cook those i was Still do thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Okay. Okay. Um, sorry about that, Joe. It's all good. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, he's getting nowhere where with um, with Logan, and and uh, so he kind of uh, turns on and and leaves, uh, threatening him. And you know, you have Wolverine's monologue going on, and you know, the sun's obviously in his face, and you know, his skin is cracking, and. You know, it's to be determined how much his um, his healing factor is going to be able to deal with all this because uh, he's already in bad shape and now he's, he's being exposed to the elements. Um, so they cut away to the Reavers going um, from room to room. Hang on again. Where's mom? Okay. Well, you can't keep interrupting me while I'm doing this, okay? Did you need something? Okay. Um. So uh, they cut away to the Reavers going from um, room to room at this at the whole outback area that the um, that the uh, X Men had been living in, and uh, they they don't there's there's no one around. They um, thought they heard some noise. Uh, they said no. We t- we told you that it looks like everyone's gone except for except for Wolverine. Um, but then in the last panel, you see a view from inside like a ventilation grate. 
of the Reavers leaving the room. So um, you turn the page, you see that um, a newly created Jubilee, who I think first appearance was 244 or so, and this is 251, um, she has snuck um, back with the X-Men on one of their jaunts because they had that um, Aborigine um, ga- uh, gateway who used to teleport them from place to place. Right. Um, so she's hiding out in the in the ventilation um, areas, uh, keep away from these reavers. And uh, she sees that um, that she really doesn't even know who any of them are, but she sees that one of the X-Men is is tied up, you know, uh, out in the elements, and they don't know, and she doesn't know where anyone else has gone. Um, Wolverine, uh, we go back to Wolverine, and and he starts hallucinating. He's hallucinating the rest of his team. Um, he's hallucinating just things that have happened. Um, up to this point, and um, uh, you get a whole whole scene of of uh, Psylocke in particular changing from uh, person to person. Now this is Psylocke prior to um, changing bodies with the with the Asian woman, right? English Psylocke with the purple, yeah, yeah like uh, with the cowl and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So um, you know, starts yelling at him like, you know, why weren't you here to help? And you know. Everyone, there's only four of us left, um, which is actually true at that point. There's Dazzler, Havoc, um, Colossus, and Psylocke, because Wolverine was doing his own his own stuff. And she grows claws. She tears her, herself to bits, and he's trying to shout to her, you know, don't do that. And um, you know, what comes out of uh, Psylocke is Sabretooth. Sabretooth goes into a monologue, kind of egging um, Wolverine on, and then we kind of as he's hallucinating all of this stuff, he kind of um, revisits um, him uh, what happened. And uh, Sabretooth, rather, is is kind of um, egging him on about, you know, why didn't he realize he was so absorbed in, you know, his own little um, world that he didn't realize, you know, that there were something was wrong here at the, in the outback because usually Gateway will teleport him back. He wasn't there, so he had a drive back to the outback and no one was around to um to greet him and like you know couldn't he have noticed um couldn't his senses have uh, warned him of trouble um and then you you're actually seeing this at the time like he's walking in and then being um knocked backwards out and um these like uh harpoons tied to ropes of all the reavers like harpooning them all over the place and like so they're all going in his body and um they're pulling his arms back so he can't cut the har- harpoons um off and and they're all tying him up and they finally knock him out and that's when they um they put him up on onto that um they chained him up onto that cross uh so you 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 realize what happened there then um you see uh well it's still Sabretooth but now he's wearing that demon mask that um uh, uh, his Japanese teacher Ogun had um, worn and said, "Oh, you killed me!" And, and we go back to there was a mini series with Wolverine and Kitty Pride where Kitty was learning um, uh, ninja skills, and Ogun was was part of that, and he had to kill Ogun because he was going to kill Kitty Pride, and uh, you know uh, so on and so forth. And then Ogun turns into into Kitty, and Kitty uh, uses her swords and. and Gets him off the, off the cross and starts helping him make his way where the rest, and then the rest of the X-Men show up. And you, you just realize that he, I mean, he's just hallucinating all of this. 
And so now he's seeing those four X-Men that I mentioned earlier. These are the last four. And they're like, you know, what are we doing? We're, you know, we're the only ones left. This isn't really a team. They just came back from the Savage Land. Um, Rogue went her own way and um, Longshot had quit and, and you know, Wolverine, uh, oh, Storm had died. I don't remember what had killed her at this point. She's not really dead. Um, and Wolverine is off by himself. So they eventually, this is all stuff that, like if you were just reading this off the stand and right. you don't have any background, you have no idea what they're talking about. But I mean, the story still is a good story, but it's like you wouldn't know. Um, so it's they're super on, dense. It's super right. dense. Super yeah. dense. And so they're up on, on the hill that Gateway usually is at, and, and the Reavers are there already. They noticed, so they start climbing the hill. Uh, the X-Men, they don't even know the Reavers are there. They're talking amongst themselves and realize, listen, you know, we had this chance before with that Siege Perilous gem where they could kind of go through it and, and start a life anew, and they chose not to, and that's when they went to the Outback. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, let's let's do it now. And... um so one by one, they kind of walk through this this huge um, gemstone and, and disappear. And uh, finally, uh, it's just Psylocke left, and that's when uh, the Reavers finally make it up to the top. And um, and she she says, you're, you know, you're not going to touch them today. And then she disappears, and the, the Siege Peerless gem just turns back into regular size and, and lands on the on the on the ground. So. For some reason, now he's now uh, Wolverine is realizing that uh, for some reason Psylocke used her te- uh, telepathy um, to trick all the others to go through the crystal. Why we, we're, we're not sure, um, but uh, it, it, Kitty turns into the um, Brood Queen and and supposedly bites Wolverine, where he snaps out of his his hallucination and he's back to reality. And it's it's nighttime now, and um, Donald Pierce and the Reavers are back and. He's got a bunch of stakes, and so he starts um, nailing the stakes into um, Wolverine's hands. And Jubilee is off in the distance kind of watching, and she's crying, but she doesn't know what to do about it. Um, Wolverine uh, is making Pierce mad because he's not screaming or making any noise every time um, he um, pounds the stake through his hands. Um, But now the weather is picking up, so they have to kind of – halt what they're doing and they go back inside and it's uh he has a few more um hallucinations of the different women in his life such as uh, storm and and Jean and uh Mariko and uh, uh lastly uh Carol Danvers cuz he worked with her when she was um uh, when she was a secret agent and um now it starts pouring it's a torrential downpour and so he's out there and um uh Again, Jubilee is is kind of looking off in the distance, and she's and she's trying to decide like to go and help him get off of there. Or, but at the same time, she's she's terrified that any of those reapers are going to catch her, um, and she doesn't know who she doesn't know Wolverine. She doesn't know who he is at this right. point. Um, so she's she's thinking to herself, you know, why should she stick her neck out? doesn't even know this guy. You know what? Even if she did, when he's in berserker mode, he ain't always safe to be around anyway. No, absolutely not. So on his own, he starts, he's like, okay, you know, the sun's not baking him. It's pouring outside. He's getting hydration. He decides to give it all that he's got, and he manages to pull one um, hand through the 
through the stake and, and get it loose. Uh, so he, he, he manages to do the other and then he basically just falls, you know, off, uh, of course, tearing his, his legs and stuff, but he manages to get free and, um, and, uh, <laughs> Jubilee's like, can't believe what she just, <laughs> what she just saw. And she's like, I don't know what to do. He needs help. But if those, you know, other guys, uh, get their hands on him or get their hands on me and he kind of turns and it's a great last panel. He kind of turns and you can see him side eye looking, um, towards, you know, you know, he's looking in Jubilee's direction, but you can't see her. It's just close up in his face, side eye saying, so kid, you going to give a fellow a hand or what? So, you know, <laughs> he's getting, he's, he's gotten free and, and, you know, next issue is, uh, you know, one that I always had remembered and, um, you know, her just basically helping him, helping him get out. And that's kind of like the, the beginning of the, the bond that, um, that he often has with some of those younger X-Men, whether it was Kitty Pride or, or then later it was Jubilee. So yeah, it was, that was a good issue. I, I absolutely adore those, that whole run of, uh, Claremont from the beginning up to probably like the two eighties or so. It's, it's funny. Um, I always liken him to Raphael with the turtles. They're, <laughs> they're both quote unquote, the ones who are like the solo characters, but they always got a partner. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and whether whether it was Kitty or Jubilee there for a really long time, and just like with Raph, it's always Casey. Yep. Um, you, you, I, I think they're very similar characters, but yeah, ultimately it seems like they always have somebody with them. It's so funny that I never really even like put those together, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, even like Batman, like they tease him oh, all yeah. the time. He's he's the loner. But yeah. He's always got to have, if not a partner, an entire Bat family. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, and, and bare minimum up until recently, he always at least had Alfred. He was yeah. never solo, right? He always right. what is what did they say in Spider Man? The man in the chair. He always had the man in the chair, bare minimum. Yep. Yeah, yeah. so funny. Well, I'm gonna do one last one, and then we should probably call it a day. Sounds like your family's getting antsy, and I know I can hear mine getting antsy in the other room. Yeah, so. that sounds good. Let's do. Let's let's uh, hear your last one. I was really torn between which to do last because I, I thought four made the cut today. And um, I'll just say the other one I read that I'm not going to do was uh, Mr. X, uh, number one. And this is an oldie from Vortex. Uh, and it, it was done by the Hernandez brothers, Jaime and Gilbert. So it was really cool. Um, I don't know if you've read any of the Love and Rocket stuff. They even have uh, no, I have Luba not. shows up for a little like one panel cameo. But uh, Mr. X, it's a, it was a cheap issue. Uh, they were a little, I want to say Canadian publishing company. Um, I think Kirk was talking about them this morning when I posted it. And I was like, yeah, drawn in quarterly kind of took on a lot of their properties because they're Canadian as well. So it was one of those <laughs> that didn't last forever. But uh, they put some interesting stuff out. Uh, Ted McKeever came from there, too. Anyway, so the one I picked is a reread uh, in the great move to Colorado. Uh, or actually, no. Was it the, no, it was the great move to Iowa. Oh. Okay, so in the great Iowa move, um, I moved all my comics, and uh, somewhere between the move to Colorado and the move to Tennessee, and then the move to Colorado uh, to Iowa, so all my comics went into storage when I went to Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. They're in storage in Georgia. So then when I moved to Tennessee, theoretically, they all got moved back to Tennessee, and then they all got moved to Iowa. Somewhere, a box got lost. Oh. I lost all my Turoks. 
Um, and I didn't have the, the, them, uh, box the way I do now. It was very much, you know, a 12th grade freshman in college, Joe, who would just come home, throw everything in a box and move on. So a lot of random stuff. But one of the issues I'd had for a really long time is the one we're covering today. And I refound this in a dollar bin, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And that is, uh, the NAM issue number nine. And this yeah, one's from nine. 1987. And, uh, it's got a cover. And it's been so long since I've read the name, I'm not going to remember everybody's name. And so I'm just going to do a quick synopsis of this one. But it's got some of your main characters on the front, Little and Marks. And then it's got a character who was very uh, popular in the series in the early run. And he's Ghost White. And we'll, and is that foreshadowing? It could very well be. This, <laughs> one's, <laughs> this one's called Pride Goeth. It's uh, by Doug Murray. And this is when Mike Golden was still on the book. So basically, they're just kind of hanging around the camp, and they get told uh, they're going to have to go out. And one of the guys, uh, Mike's like, um, I think I'm going to re-up, guys. And they're like, you're crazy. It's almost time for you to be done. Why would you re-up? He's like, well, if you re-up, they shorten the amount of time you have to stay in the Army. So I'll get to stay with you guys a little bit longer and, you know, Put in a little short stint, one more tour, and then I'm out of the army for good. And, and you're like, okay, you're crazy, but okay. So they fly them down into the combat zone, and you know, typical beautiful golden artwork. You've got the choppers going in. They land. Uh, it gets hairy pretty quick right away, and uh, Mike busts out the law rocket, and they're just fighting page after page, and. Mike gets shot at, his helmet gets hit, but he doesn't, and he's like, man, I sure am lucky. Well, they camp down for the night, everybody's sleeping. The main character, the blondie guy, I can never remember his name, his last name's Marks, so that's what we're going to call him. Um, he wakes up screaming, and they're like, dude, you can't be doing this, we're in the middle of the jungle, I know you're having a nightmare, but if you're going to sleep and scream, you're going to have to stay awake. Well... The, uh, the, the Vietnamese army comes out of the, the jungle and they start shooting at our guys. Uh, somehow they managed to, the American army manages to get a, I don't, it's not really a tank, but it's some huge treaded vehicle. I, if Kirk was on here, he could tell me what it is because he's the military dude. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's tearing through the jungle. Everything seems to be going well. Uh, the Sarge Kyle is in some, uh, the uh, whatever they call the aerial support so that they can come clear out some of the foliage and they get through the night. So next morning they're setting up camp again. And the Vietnam War is one of those that always confused me because when you're studying war in high school, most of it was very straightforward. There was a battle here and it was done this way and there was a battle here and it was done this way. It seems to me it's almost like there's just skirmishes all the time whenever you see things in pop culture with Vietnam. It doesn't feel like there's like one set battle. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know anything about it, but it, I think that's kind of how it was, right? It, there wasn't yeah. like actual, like, yeah. Yeah, I think that there was a movie. Uh, was it called We Were Soldiers that covers a battle? Um, mm-hmm. But in general, no, it's usually on patrol. There's a skirmish. Call in support, yada, yada. That's kind of how the the series goes as well. But anyway, they're getting overrun. Things are not going good. They're they're barely make it through, and they manage to get out. 
So they get out and, you know, just like in like the shows or the movies, they get out of patrol, they get back to base camp. Well, there's a sniper. Everybody pulls out their guns and shoot, but this time Mike didn't make it. So they show a close up of the guys, two of them obviously just emotional. The other, the main guy, the Mark's character is holding Mike and Mike's gone. And the helmet that had been shot earlier in the issue says, ha ha, miss me, Charlie. And it ends with a letter to his parents telling them what a great guy Mike was. And like I said, I don't know if you've ever read any of the issues, but he was a main character. And reading this as, you know, seventh grader probably is when I would have read this. That was like, okay, it was kind of like in G.I. Joe when they finally killed Quinn. You're like, okay, stakes are for real. This is this is not, you know, Spidey or the Fantastic Four. Not that both of those didn't have deaths, but typically they didn't come so early on and so viciously. Right. Yeah. So And it was a reminder that you're reading a book about a war that, you know, there was lots of casualties and. You know, just because they're your one of your favorite characters doesn't mean they're going to make it out alive. So, anyway, that was one I uh, I had for many many years, and then I moved and it disappeared. And fortune smiled on me, and I found it really cheap the other day. So that was exciting. <laughs> That's awesome. I thought you were going to tell me a, a a good news story where like you ended up getting the box, like it, it showed back up like years later. No, unfortunately, it didn't. I I I, I lost a ton of Valiant books and. Um, uh, from selling them, and I lost because uh, I and because I remember like, okay, where's my Turox? And Kristen's like, I thought you got rid of a bunch of stuff, and I and I was like, I did. I literally remember when I sold a lot of my Valiant because uh, to finance the initial move to Colorado before I put the stuff in storage, I sold a ton of books, and it was right on that bubble where you could still actually get a little bit of money for back issues. I, I yeah. tried to do that a few years ago, and you, they don't give you anything if you sell in bulk. But I, I got an, a good bit of money from selling a couple of long boxes, and uh, I sold pretty much all my Valiants with the exception of the Turox. So I'm like, well, I know I have my Turox. And when I get and I start sorting and going through stuff, I'm like, I don't have Turox anymore. And then slowly over the years, I'll be like, crap, I don't have this issue of Secret Origins anymore. Crap, I don't have this issue. And, you know, stuff that I would not have sold. Right. Right. Like uh, the Crimson Avenger uh, Secret Origins was when I first noticed like some of those were missing because that was one of my earliest ones. And I love, love, love that story. Have you read that one? Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. So, you know, the whole War of the Worlds. And I just remember it, it, I was one of those radio nerds where I would um, go on a trip with my dad. And one of the highlights of going on a trip with mom and dad was we would stop at Cracker Barrel and you could get uh, the old ra- old time radio shows on tape and then later on cd and always when we would do a road trip and stuff at a cracker barrel i'd get one or two so <laughs> you know i'm I, I remembered uh that war of the world story and there's no way i would have sold that and this is one of those things slowly working through the collection getting a catalog do you realize man i think i lost an entire box's worth of stuff somewhere along the line and i'm not sure where in the moves it happened but between movers and everything else that's horrible yeah it sucks yeah <laughs> but wow. anyway we should probably wrap up um, let's wrap up 
I'll let you do the the mic spiel. You've heard it long enough that you know it a little bit better. Yeah, I know a little bit. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening to uh, Geek Brunch Retrocast. You can follow us uh, on Facebook, Geek Brunch. Um, Mike puts the episodes on there. Um, if you want to talk to any of us, the best place is Twitter. Uh, Mike is Mike Myers Brunch. Um, Joe, you're I- Iowa's Joe? Yep. Is that right? It is. Kirk is Big Army 5. No, Big 5 Army. And I'm trying to remember. Um, Myth-making ETC is Chris. Thank you. Chris is Myth-making ETC. I am Rob Krieger. Very, very um, uh, imaginative. <laughs> and um, that I think that'll be it for this, this time. Hopefully next week we got uh, Mike and Chris back, but Joe, this was, this was a lot of fun. First time without the, uh, without the founders and, and, and we did it. Yeah. I had a great time, man. Yeah. It's awesome. All right. You have a good one. Yes. You too. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.